Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to a signing day Buckeye Talk. We've upgraded. We're in Panera. There's a fireplace. There are bagels. There are not that many people, so hopefully we're not bothering anybody. But it is Wednesday evening. After the early signing period, we had our Ryan Day news conference. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means are here to talk about the Buckeyes and their recruiting class, but there's a lot of things kind of going around this recruiting class. There's 15 guys that signed on Wednesday, but we're not going to give like individual breakdowns of these 15 players because Stephen and I were just talking about this before we came on. Like, Stephen, no offense to these guys. There's a couple super high-profile guys. There are three five-star players in this class, and Zach Harrison, Garrett Wilson, and, and Harry Miller. Um, Jamison Williams is a pretty big receiver out of St. Louis. There's some interesting Northeast Ohio guys, but this is not, you know, there's not 12 or 15 guys in this group. Normally, Urban Meyer's recruiting classes were 25 guys, and you'd have 16 or 17, like, super famous dudes. That's not really what this class is, right? Yeah, and even, like, if we're going to be honest here, the most famous guy in this class is probably Zach Harrison, and he's, like, not famous. (laughs) Like, he's famous, but, like, he's, like, Everything his actions, he's low profile. Yeah, his actions just aren't like famous actions. Like, and Garrett Wilson kind of carries it a little bit. Like, by he gets on social media, he interacts with people. But for the most part, listen, I don't think the Big Ten is going to be doing any features on any of these guys in the next two years. So, so we just, I mean, which is fine. And and I think everyone needs to keep in mind this is a class that right now is is the two four seven sports rankings is the number twelve overall class, but that's because it's small. Clemson signed twenty six guys, Alabama and Michigan, and a lot of the schools Ohio State competes against. They all signed classes in the twenties. This was going to be a smaller year for Ohio State. And Ryan Day said this four or five times Wednesday, and I think he was trying to make a point that like, hey, like this isn't my fault, and he didn't say that, but like. He's right. This was going to be smaller anyway. They're just in a numbers crunch. They didn't have a ton of guys leave for the NFL last year. They've had more than 24 guys in basically every Urban Meyer class from 2012 on, and they never ran up against this because there's kind of a dichotomy here. If you have 25 guys a year, after four years, that's 100 guys. Mm -hmm. It's only 85 scholarships. So if you bring in... 25 a year and plus you have some fifth year guys like the only way that you don't 
that you, the only way you can bring in 25 a year is if guys leave for the NFL or they transfer. So you want guys to leave for the NFL because that's mm-hmm. the sign of a healthy, productive program. You don't want a ton of guys transferring. Mm-hmm. And so like right now, they're, they, the last two years, they've had fewer NFL guys than they did the year when in 2015, like everybody left. Mm-hmm. And they haven't had that many transfers. Mm-hmm. So that's good. The, 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 the last two years, the 17 and 18 classes, and again, these are guys that have only been here one year or two years, 47 guys signed those two years. Mm-hmm. Only one is gone. Trayvon Grimes. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is still here. They're not a bunch of guys who came in after a year and got in trouble or guys who came in and said, this isn't for me. I'm out of here. So the result is at some point you have to back off. Mm-hmm. So this is a back off year. And Stephen, you sort of made the point like this wasn't necessarily some grand plan, but it's not that bad to have a back off year where you have to be smaller anyway at a time when you have a coaching transition. Yeah, part of me wants to like have a little conspiracy that maybe Urban Meyer planned this all along of like, all right, we're going to wait till we have a smaller year so that way there's not as much of a load of having to carry for Brian Day. And that way Brian can really focus Brian Day can really focus on the 2020 class. If we're going to be honest with you, 88 of what the top 100 players signed today. So that leaves pretty much the last Twelve of those guys who, yep. are, who are probably not going to come to Ohio State, if we're being honest. So at this point, at this point, because how it's it's set up the way basketball is, it has been set up for a long time. It's an early signing day period where the majority of the top notch, the guys that everybody wants, sign, and then that second, you know, the later signing day is where you kind of pick up the scraps of things that you weren't able to get. Maybe you shot for the moon, you shot, for, you shoot for the moon in the early signing day, and you land in the stars in the early signing day, and that's what football kind of has now, where. If he's a five-star recruit. He's not going to be available come January. He's just not. Doug Nestor is a guy who is still an Ohio State verbal commit at this mm-hmm. point. He did not sign on Wednesday. He's a lineman from West Virginia. He's a highly rated guy. He decided when Urban Meyer retired, he was going to look around. He still might wind up in this class. And again, there's a story on Cleveland.com sort of explaining this numbers crunch. They're going to add a few more guys, but Ari Wasserman said to Ryan Day, you're probably going to add six or seven more guys in February. And Ryan Day said, no, I I don't think it's going to be that many. I think it's going to be more like three. We have to see how this quarterback position shakes out because they're going to add a quarterback. And we're going to get into that next. But then beyond that, um, there there are guys here or there, right? Like you said, that they might be a, there might be a couple positional needs, and this is a difficult part of this. And and we've covered this already. This is the second year of the early signing day, so we're not going to go through all this again. But it is a little bit hard when you're signing your class in December and you don't know yet who's going to the NFL. Or yeah. not. and so so. I did. We we always do this senior week of like what underclassmen could leave. I said. Michigan week, there were 10 underclassmen who could leave. Two of them have left so far Mm -hmm. uh, in Draymond Jones and Mike Weber. Nick Bosa was already gone, um, and you assume Dwayne Haskins is gone. So if you assume Haskins, Weber, Jones, that's three. There's seven more guys with decisions. If I had to guess, I think it'll be between two and four of them will go, but that's a big difference because right now they're up against it. Right now they are at they have 70 scholarship players here for next year. Mm-hmm. They just signed 15. That's 85. Mm-hmm. That's your maximum. So, again, this this is what we're talking about. Like, whether they can add one guy or four or five guys is entirely dependent on whether K.J. Hill goes pro or not. 
whether Kendall Sheffield goes pro or not. And then there's a couple guys. There's always a chance of transfers. But if you look at the roster, and we don't like to play the transfer game because it's not fair to individual guys, you could look at it. And we have a, a scholarship chart at cleveland.com. Just type in scholarship chart in cleveland.com. I'm actually going to update that Wednesday night. If you look, you just look through and you look for like third and fourth year guys who never play. And then you play the same game anybody else does. There's maybe two guys that to me leap off the page of like, well, maybe they could leave. But again, you're not, they're not going to have eight transfers. So they're waiting to see for the NFL decisions, and that will affect how many guys they really can add in February. Which is why you spend the early signing day period just trying to get talent at positions where you know it's, you're going to need talent regardless of the situations. I think the fact that one of the players are waiting on as a quarterback makes this hard because – the quarterback's the only position where there's only one of them on the field. Well, quarterback and kicker and a punter. Those are the only three positions where there's only one of them on the field at all, at all times. And punter and kicker, you're not guaranteed to see the field every single game. That all depends on what happens within the offense. So the, of the play, of the positions that like get consistent time on the field, the quarterback is the only one where you're the only guy on your of your position that's on the field. It's a one quarterback on one team, one quarterback on another team. So you can't really make a decision on where you want to go with a quarterback, and so you know what the other one is going to do. Now, we all think we all know, think he's going to go to the NFL. I'm pretty sure Ryan Day knows he's going to go to the NFL, but you can't make a decision until that's official. Because if we, what if he just surprised everybody and says, eh, I'm coming back for another year? Well, you don't need to look for another quarterback because that's your starting quarterback for next year. So the problem, the fact that they're one of the positions that they're waiting on is the starting position of your quarterback makes things that much harder because – him staying and him going is a whole different game plan for Ryan Day going into spring. And I respect that because we at Cleveland.com over the years have been very tried to be very on top of the number crunch because mm-hmm. I think the, one of the worst things that happens in college football is running guys off. And, it, and it's when a school winds up in a situation where, well, we thought these guys were going to go pro mm-hmm. and they didn't, so we signed this numbers of guys, and all of a sudden you're at 89 and you're asking guys to gray shirt, Mm-hmm. Or you're you're forcing out you're forcing guys to transfer, who didn't do anything wrong and don't want to leave because you're over on numbers. I, 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 some schools don't respect the 85. I think to be fair to the players in, in a system that's not fair to the players, one of the things that you have to abide by is you have to respect the 85. And so to me, when Ryan Day is standing up there, and they, they had four decommits in this cycle, mm-hmm. they had Kane Patterson. Uh, in August was the guy who decommitted as soon as sort of the Urban Meyer stuff came up. Um, and then Samson James decommitted in October and signed with Indiana today, Rob running back. And then they had two today. Uh, Dwan Mathis, the quarterback, and again, we'll get into all this quarterback stuff in more detail. And Jordan Battle, the safety that flipped to Alabama to no one's surprise. So they're not at 15 because they had a million decommitments and frankly they pulled in a couple guys late they pulled in jordan mckenzie late today i don't think they would have added jordan mckenzie if jordan battle had stayed mm-hmm. or if Dwan mathis had stayed they knew they were getting needed to be around a certain number and i think to me i respect the idea of it's 85 your expectation right this moment is we have 70 guys and we just added 15 so we're at 85 when we lose some other guys to the nfl or transfers, then we'll add more. But I have a lot of respect for a program where one guy can make a difference, mm-hmm. right? I mean, one more elite guy that you can add. You know, you look at guys that Ohio State has added on signing dates in the past. Von Bell was a signing day ad. 
That was a big get for Ohio mm-hmm. State. Isaiah Prince was a signing day ad. That was a big get for Ohio State. And not that they're, they didn't turn away five stars today. They, they took Zach Harrison. They were going to find a way to take Zach Harrison no matter mm-hmm. what. But if you're concerned about, like, well, why don't they push it on this? Somebody asked a question today about how can Clemson and Alabama and some of these ACC and SEC teams at, do 25 every year. And I said it's it's recruiting voodoo magic. It's it's gray shirting. It's running guys off. It's You have a ton of NFL guys, so you're losing NFL guys every year, which is a good thing. But I just – I hate it. I hate, And not, I'm not saying Ohio State hasn't done it before. They have. I hate running off kids – who came here, did nothing wrong. They just weren't good enough to play. Mm-hmm. But they go to class, they stay out of trouble, they work hard in practice, and then you say to them, sorry, we need you to go because we have somebody else lined up for your spot. I, I understand that this is big boy school, but that still bothers me. And I think Urban Meyer, when he got here, it, I was concerned that, that they were going to live in an SEC world of running dudes off. And I don't think they did very much. I think they respected the 85 to a great deal. And so, again, to restate my thing for the fifth time, if Ryan Day respected the 85 on Saturday, on Wednesday, good for him. Robots are trying to kill people, but wow. they're not killing as many people as, wow. as you guys think. Wow. I love, again, when there wow. are the big murder robot wow. or dangerous robot stories on Twitter and the Internet – and I am besieged by people tweeting it at me. I love it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good that you guys are alert. That was an amazing transition. You are alert to the robot infestation. But even Brian Hartline, and I like this. I think Brian Hartline tweeted about robots killing people. And then people were like tweeting me his tweet. Like they're tagging <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, like, I saw that. <laughs> there was something that was like me and Brian Hartline and Johnny Dixon were all tagged on the same killer robot tweet. And I was like, I enjoy the killer robot family mm-hmm. expanding. But I want to get into this briefly because it's very important. And then we'll get into Tate Martell and Dwan Mathis and Justin Fields and what's going on with the Ohio State quarterback situation. I asked Ryan Day a question about Ohio State quarterbacks on Wednesday that I thought he gave a very interesting answer to. And I'm going to be writing a story about it this week. I think we got a peek at a very important thing, which is the kind and the type of quarterback that Ryan Day is going to be looking for at Ohio State. But at the moment, we're talking about did four robots kill 29 scientists in Japan? This is the thing that a million people have tweeted at me. And I got to tell you, Stephen, you may not be as afraid of robots as I am. But when you see a headline that says four robots killed 29 scientists in Japan – that freaks you out, no, right? No. You want to know what it makes me think of? I, robot. So you know what I wouldn't do? Get that type of robot. Like, the prob- you know what the problem is? You can't be scared of something you created. That's like being scared of a child that you birthed. You, It's your fault. That thing is here. Like, you can't get mad when it does the thing that you you knew it was going to do that. I, but I'm not – so I'm not creating a robot, but somebody else right. might so, create a robot okay, that fine, kills me. Fine, right. It's not – okay, let's let's take the, the, the individual out. Humans to be like clear, the, I am not going to create a robot. No, no. I don't think you could if you wanted to. <laughs> Humans like to do this thing where it's like somebody will say something in general and we like to go, that's not me though. It's like, first of all, yes, it is you just because you think it's not you. What I am saying is – when we play around with artificial intelligence in every single movie that you've seen where the actors play around with artificial intelligence and it comes back to bite them in the butt, there's your warning. 
Okay. So I agree. So, but what we have to stop the other humans yeah. who are doing this. Yeah, the problem, curiosity killed the cat. And humans like to get curious when it comes to technology. Siri is one day going to take over the world. Okay. I am So 100%. you're in, you're in on this. Don't act like It's not else. really in. It's just, uh, it's just like, it'd be too, it's too good to not be true. Do do you think it's possible that robots will take over the world and murder all humans? I think not only it's possible, no, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Because in every movie, the evil robot ends up being like a female robot. Serious, a female. Oh, Don't initially. date a robot, young man. Well, you millennials dating robots. I would never do that. That's weird. So so listen. So you, so I feel good now. I'm glad that you're not brushing this off. You no. are taking the robot threat seriously. I'm taking the stupidity threat seriously. The stupidity of the people who build robots yeah. that kill us. Yeah, yes. 100%. So here's the thing. But I do want to warn. I, I, I looked this up. And you ever go on Snopes.com? I've never heard of that until right now. Snopes.com, S-N-O-P-E-S, is a website that, like, debunks stuff. Like, if you heard some crazy thing, you go to Snopes.com. And if it's true, they'll tell you. (laughs) But they'll also debunk it if it's wrong. The very first one is, was Colin Kaepernick arrested in a massive $200,000 drug bust? Shout out to Fox News because you definitely started that rumor. So, I mean, this kind of thing happens all the time, right? You see something on the Internet and you're like, is this true? Snopes.com is a good place to go. So... I, I went I was looking this up today because I got it from so many people. Again, the claim is four AI controlled robots killed twenty nine scientists in Japan in August of two thousand seventeen. It's false. Their rating on that is false. And basically it's a crazy lady on the internet who just like did a video about this. I someone dropped their bagel. And and this one woman claimed this and it for some reason it popped up. Um, on social media everywhere. Um, this clip, it was taken from a presentation in February 2018 by a, quote, conspiracy theorist and UFOologist named Linda Moulton Howe Amazing at name. the Conscious of Life Expo in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. This is all from Snopes.com. Go in there and read it yourself. She told, she started a speech and, like, the point that Snopes makes in this is, like, she talked about robots killing 29 scientists but it was like it was like a little anecdote like in a speech it was like a she it was like a throwaway line like it was like if four robots actually killed 29 people it wouldn't be like a oh by the way it wouldn't be a rumor i feel like that's like yeah that's a lot like one robot a lot of dead scientists yeah one robot killing like a person like that could be an accident like you could have done something where like the, the machine just fell on you or whatever like or it's like multiple people getting killed that's strategic and at that point like there has to be like a a a type of psa where it's like okay we have this under control or yeah. we don't have this under control they're coming for all of us 29 scientists that's a lot, yeah, of, that's a lot of people so she claims that a former marine who used to work for the cia told her this stuff and snope says her story was suspiciously void of specifics she didn't identify the, the source of the information, um, and there have been no reports of it. There's been no actual news of 29 dead Japanese scientists. And again, the fact it was like a, it was like a side note in this. Mm. So here's the deal. This woman, after opening with this alleged robot massacre report, how transitioned, and I'm reading from Snopes, to the dangers of artificial intelligence and spent most of her time focused on alien encounters and then concluded, this is what she thinks. Mm. She concluded by saying that humans may actually be the artificially intelligent creations of an alien race. 
Okay. So she is saying that you, Stephen Means, right. are a podcasting robot made by aliens. So that's the woman who said that four robots right. killed 29 See, scientists. The problem is she was pro- – what's crazy is like there were definitely some people who believed her, but they were a little skeptical. And then she said something stupid like that. And she just lost her entire crowd. If she- I'm a robot – seriously, if I'm a robot, then an alien race came down and made like a middle-aged white guy with – Diabetes and a cough that he can't get rid of. That who grows. gets influenza? Who grew and is into that? Tired all the time. Who would make that robot? That you, robot is a failure. Honestly, like if if that was really true, that's like a genius alien race because like you had to like start it as like this little itty bitty thing and it just kind of grows and it grows and it's like this little human and eventually yeah. it becomes like a real human and like you grow facial hair. Some of us more than others. Some of us still struggle to. Grow a field boot. I don't think I'm ever gonna grow full facial hair. It's sad. Hey, there's a friend in here. <laughs> Who is it? It's Tate Martell. No, it's not. It is. Go invite him to be on the podcast. <laughs> really? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. This is this is Tate Martell. Why are you not in Las Vegas? Do you this is fortuitous. I'm dead serious. Tate Martell is in Panera. Tate Martell right is in the Panera right now, and uh, we'll see if he wants to come on Buckeye Talk. We're gonna keep our fingers crossed. So anyway, nobody would make a robot with a gut as big as mine. That If you programmed, like, we're going to have this robot grow to the point where it has a huge pot belly. I mean, again, that would be genius because yeah. there's no, it serves no purpose. And none of them grow to the same size or all this is their own size. It's hairy. You don't want to see it. Like, what you don't want to see it. What went into making LeBron James' robot? Like, why yeah. did he just get things everybody else didn't get? Can you talk about, like, Tate Martell is going to be the whole... There's like nine people in this Panera. And Can we talk them, about him while he's sitting in the one same One of them area? is the guy <laughs> that, Can we that is now in here. Can we genuinely discuss a man while he's sitting a couple tables over from us? I don't know. I don't That's know. That's a really bold thing to do. All right. We might have to take some other questions unrelated <laughs> to that. Um, wow. Okay. Of wonder, all the people, we're thrown off by this. I wonder if we could hear us talking about whether or not I we know. should talk about it. We're kind of being kind of loud. Because we're in a quiet coffee shop. Yeah. But um, I don't know what else we're supposed to do. Okay. It's interesting. Let's run Let's run through some other stuff. God, every question is about him. <laughs> Everybody God, you loves have to man. figure out some other things to talk about. <laughs> um, let's talk about this. Anthony Clawson at Anthony Clawson 2. Sorry, I was chewing, chewing a cough drop. I cannot get rid of this sore throat and cough. It's unbelievable. I'm going to have it for two years. Who would make that? No one would make a robot that coughs. Anthony Clausen, do we address the Bill Davis elephant in the room? Tommy Eichenberg and Cade Stover at least love him. Do we need to now? Does everyone need to love Bill Davis? Here's the thing. I don't know if we need to love him. I mean, it's a bit much. People, uh, 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 these recruits, Tommy Eichenberg has said it to people, um, I think it's been said or written elsewhere that Bill Davis is telling these guys that he's going to be back. Kate Stover said the same thing. Kate Stover actually built a great relationship with Bill Davis during the time of his recruitment. And he said that Bill Davis is one of the main reasons why he's at Ohio State and that he pretty much was promised that he was going to be here. But, you know, we'll see. So the thing Step is, forward. like, of course – like, of course, I mean, yeah. nobody's going to be telling the recruits right now, like, oh, your position coach is going to get fired. You should come here even though I'm not going to be here. So, like, it's sense. just one of those things. I, I get it. Like, they have to say those things. But I put, like, zero stock in that. 
And the other thing I'll say is this. Again, Ohio State's class um, is ranked 12th in the nation, okay? The, the, the linebackers they got, they got Cade Stover, who was the number 106 overall player in Ohio, best player in Ohio mm-hmm. by a lot of measures. And they got Tommy Eichenberg late, who was the number 323 um, player in the country. And Craig Young, um, I think from Fort Wayne, is a guy who, who is listed as an athlete who may wind up as a linebacker here. And he's ranked um, as the number 599 player in the country. Okay, So here's my point. They, they of course, had to get some linebackers in this class. Mm-hmm. So they got... Two kids from Ohio and a guy from Indiana who's an athlete who's a three-star guy. They didn't get Raquan McMillan. No. They didn't get Curtis Grant. They didn't get Baron Browning. So if you got two Ohio kids, when you talk to Cade Stover, right, mm-hmm. do you think Cade Stover would have come to Ohio State no matter what? 100%. So, which is great, which he's, is, I want more Ohio kids Yeah, in but he's classes. like, he's almost small town. I mean, he's pretty talented. I mean, Mr. Football of Ohio, that's not, that's a, a prestigious award. But, like, this is a kid from a very, 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 very small town. So small, I kind of felt uncomfortable being in it. It was a nice little, like, high school. Like, he's a cool dude. Like, shout out to Kate Stover. I'm not sitting here. He's a pig. Know. He owns a pig. He does. He does own a pig, which like it that doesn't surprise me. Like living in that area, it seems like a it's a farm town pretty much. And so yeah, Ohio State is. He said this. And Ohio State's right down the road. It's the you have one of the biggest football schools in the country, forty five minutes from your house. <coughs> Why in God's name would I not want to come here? It didn't even seem like he even thought about going to any other school. So. So he's coming here no matter what. So, yeah. of course, you want him to have a good relationship with the linebackers coach. Yeah. But that is not like a notch in Bill Davis's belt mm-hmm. to get Cade Stover because he's the kind of kid who should come to Ohio State no matter who the coach is. Tommy Eichenberg, who they got late, is a three-star kid. Sounds like he might be a great player here. Mm-hmm. Matt Gould, our high school writer at Cleveland.com, talked to Tommy Eichenberg, was at his signing day ceremony on Wednesday. I highly encourage you to go read the story that he wrote about Tommy Eichenberg. It's really good, and Tommy Eichenberg has a quote in that story that will make you want to run out and tackle somebody tomorrow. Tommy Eichenberg is exactly the kind of kid that should be in this class. Mm-hmm. He is not a notch in Bill Davis's belt. He is the kind of kid that, of course, he wants an Ohio State offer no matter what. Mm-hmm. He was going to go to Boston College. Alabama was not coming here to get Tommy Eichenberg, which is nothing against Tommy Eichenberg. All I'm saying is... In a world where Ohio State does go out, Garrett Wilson, he's grew up in Dublin, but he's from Texas. They went out and got That's Garrett real, Wilson. Yeah, Ryan Day a... went down and got Garrett Wilson. Zach Smith did some work on Garrett Wilson. Okay, um, this is what they do. Larry Johnson, Zach Harrison, right? Zach Harrison. That's a battle. He's in your backyard, but mm-hmm. that's a battle for Zach Harrison. Larry Johnson did work to get Zach Harrison, who's the number four rated recruit in America, to come to Ohio State. I'm, I just like I. I don't care if the three-star Ohio kids like Bill Davis; they'll like the next linebackers coach too. Mm-hmm. And so, whatever he's telling kids, whatever the reports are, it I I don't believe. I'm not saying he's lying or whatever. I'm just saying like it's before the bowl game. Ryan Day did sort of in a sideways manner, kind of get asked about the staff on Wednesday. 
again, I was talk. We always talk about what should we ask about? What should we ask about? I said, there's no point in asking about that because he's not going to answer it. He's not going to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to fire four guys. Mm-hmm. So after the Rose Bowl, there's going to be changes. They're not coming back with the exact same staff from this year, no. guaranteed. Brian Hartline's going to be here. Larry Johnson's going to be here. Beyond that, I don't know what's going to happen. He has to hire a quarterback's coach. But, uh, like, uh, th- this is nothing has changed, in my opinion, of Bill Davis. And I don't think anything should have changed in Ryan Day's opinion of Bill Davis because th- he did not go out and go to Georgia or Louisiana or Texas or California or Florida and pull some top 50 linebacker. He got the kids down the road who are going to be good players who need to be in this class Mm -hmm. but are guys who could have been recruited and would have been recruited by any linebacker's coach that ever would have worked at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, and I'll be curious to hear the story of this. Maybe there is a story to this. But there are times when like Luke Fickle fought for Darren Lee. Luke Fickle, Darren Lee was down the road. He was a high school quarterback at New Albany, and Luke Fickle said, I want this kid. He's not rated that high. I'm telling you, this guy is worth it. I don't know. I haven't heard his story yet. I don't know what the stories are of Bill Davis saying, hey. Finding a diamond in a rough that maybe so if you're not getting a top, So if you're not getting a top 100 national kid that Ohio State normally would get, and you're not finding a diamond in the rough, you're just doing what Normal what's right do. in front of you. And, and again, I'm all for the kids. But what I'm not doing is giving any extra credit to the coach, and it does not make me think that he should still be here. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be mean to, the, to Bill Davis, or is that uh, is she still you, easing into that? Nah, you're kind of taking it. I, I cover I was, it pretty well. Yeah, I'll just – I mean, I agree with that sentiment. It's not like these guys are – you know, if – like, K's – I think the biggest thing was the fact that K was a Mr. Football, but, like, he was the Mr. Football regardless of whether or not he got an Ohio State offer or not. So, like – like you just, he didn't go get the five star kid from California who, in three years, is going to be a top ten pick in the NFL draft. Like right? He didn't go get that kid. You know, he didn't go fight for a kid that is probably just the best athlete on his team. So he's playing a position that he probably shouldn't be playing just because you want to put the ball in his hands and give your team a chance to win in high school. He got three kids where it's like, okay, they're yeah, they're from here. Um, they're good enough to where it looks good that you've got some Ohio kids that, oh, you got the Mr. Football. Oh, that's great. Oh, you got another guy who's really, really, but you didn't get anybody that's kind of like, oh, whoa, you didn't get anybody that was like, wow, you're, you add value here. And like, what did, pretty much, what did you do to add value to why you're on this coaching staff? And Ryan Day reemphasized the same kind of thing that Urban Meyer said every minute of his time here. The one thing Ryan did say, Ryan Day did say about the staff is they need to be great recruiters. And so Bill Davis is a guy who is an NFL guy his whole career, had mm-hmm. never coached in college, and I don't think he's a great recruiter right now. And so that that's all I'm telling you. I don't know that the I don't know that the guys here developed as good as they could have developed, and I don't think he's been an elite recruiter. And so you tell me why that guy should be back. I'm just gonna read this quote. I was gonna make you go Matt, read Matt Gould's story, and you should go read it anyway, but I'm not gonna tease you to the point of not giving you the quote. This is the quote from Tommy Eichenberg, who again and we'll get into Ohio kids. I want all of the responsibility. If they're going to want to run the ball down our throats, I want to be the one that has to stop them. And people are like jumping out of their shoes on Twitter. They're so excited about a quote like that. I mean, that's the most like, I'm from a small town, hard-nosed like, and, quote ever. And you need you need those yeah so let's 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 veer i don't know that there's a question here but this is always a question every question is about tate martell and justin fields i don't know where he's over there he's over over across the room i feel terrible like we can't really go over and talk to him 
No, we can't. I mean, we could, but like, it'd be very frowned upon. It would be. Especially if things went haywire. You know what? I might go talk to him. I might pause, get a bagel, Uh, and go say what's up. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we could like sit here and like do a whole story on the kid, but like, we could definitely like acknowledge the fact that like we're both in the same vicinity of life. All right. I mean, we're reporters. <laughs> yeah. We're reporters, by God. Like, uh, I don't think anybody would get mad about that. We're going to talk to him in a little bit. Okay. What was I going to talk about? Oh, so I can't find a question about this, but it's always important. Um, Ohio kids and the Ohio State recruiting class. Over the years, they have – the percentage of Ohio kids in these classes has gone down. Every year, that's the buzzer they give you when you're getting oh, your food. Oh, wow. It goes off. It's like, go up to the front and get your food. Um, five out of 15 this year. Mm-hmm. They got five of the top eight kids uh, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got the number one kid in Zach Harrison. They mm-hmm. got the number three kid in Cade Stover. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Day, It's of all the things he said, uh, he wanted to make that point at his introductory news conference two weeks ago. And he said it again. On Wednesday, um, I, I'm going to write a story sort of about Ryan Day's recruiting philosophy and mm-hmm. where they might head from here. If you were advising Ryan Day, Urban Meyer was a national name. Urban Meyer had recruited the SEC. Urban mm-hmm. Meyer had contacts in the South and in Florida when he got here. Um, so he had a jump on being a national recruiter mm-hmm. when he got here. Ryan Day uh, has only been recruiting for a couple of years. He was in the NFL before that. Before that, he was at Boston College, and it's just not the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What should Ryan Day's strategy be in terms of recruiting Ohio versus recruiting nationally? Mm-hmm. And would you anticipate that these classes under Ryan Day in the next couple of years will be heavier on Ohio kids than the Urban Meyer classes have been lately? I think from what we see, let's just take 2019 and then what will be Ryan Day's first official class as Ohio State's head coach in 2020. The guys at the top of both of those lists are five-star guys who are from Ohio. I think for that needs to be number one. If you've got a guy who's that good and he's from your state, he needs to be in Ohio State uniform. That 100% has to be a standard. You can't miss out on you know guys who are top 10 guys in the country, and you pretty much just have to hop on 71 to go get them. Those guys have to come to you. Now, as far as going completely national, I understand that like I'm all for like keeping with the traditions and you know kind of still walking that culture that Urban Meyer built here. But there has to be understanding that you are not Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer went national because he's Urban Meyer, and he can go national because he is Urban Meyer, and because he's won national championships at two different schools and has had success at every single school he has been to. He built up a, a credibility to the fact that, hey, I'm Urban. He can walk into a kid's home and go, hey, I am Urban Meyer, and sometimes that may be enough. Ryan Day has not done that yet. Just to be clear, that noise is not Tate Martell. No, it's not. He's quietly eating his baby. Quietly. And, like, he's not the starting quarterback, so he's not going to get that type of commotion yet. Now, if Dwayne Haskins walks in here, honestly, we probably got another, like, 15 minutes before we need to leave, before we're stuck here for the night. (laughs) But that's not the point. The point of the matter is Ryan Day is not Urban Meyer. I'm not saying he cannot be as successful as Urban Meyer. I'm not saying he will be as successful as Urban Meyer. What I'm saying is his coaching resume so far as a head coach consists of three games against teams that 
they had no business losing to. And so they did what they needed to do because in the situation and why he was a head coach is because of some things that happened off the football field. He was not required. Now it is his job. He now, so pretty much he's a rookie. He's a rookie still as a head coach. Those three games, as great as they were that he won those three games, they really don't mean anything because it wasn't his guys yet. So I think for him, he needs to look at, make sure he understands that you can go national, but that shouldn't be your main focus. The main focus is making sure that you got five star guy from Ohio. He needs to be on this team. You can go get some national guys, but you cannot neglect your state because you are not Urban Meyer. You are not Nick Saban. You are not Davo Sweeney. You are not an, you coach at an upper echelon school, but you do not have the resume to match that upper echelon school quite yet. Last year. And I remember Urban Meyer being asked about this a year ago on signing day. Mm-hmm. Last year, Stephen, we'll see if you can guess. They had 26 guys they signed last year. You know how many were from Ohio? I'm going to say four at most. Four. I'm genius. Four. Um, and they, ha- I think it was the, like the four, they got, Jackson Carmen was the number one kid in Ohio a year mm-hmm. ago. Uh, he picked Clemson over them to their surprise. And then they got the next four best kids. So they got number players two through five in Ohio, Jalen Gill, Tyreek Smith, mm-hmm. Blue Smith, and Dallas Gant. And then that was it. So, and Urban Meyer said it like, I remember him being asked, is, is, is that okay? And he said, no, that's not okay. That was out of balance for them to be that low on Ohio kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the year before, I think they had five of the top, let me look. In the 2017 class, which was like a, again a great, they had six in the Ohio State in that class, and the highest ranked one they had was Josh Myers out of Miamisburg, Ohio. So Josh Myers, Josh Mark. Myers was the number one kid in Ohio. Right. Brendan White was two. Jalen Harris was four. Marcus Williamson was five. Amir Reap was six. So, so listen, Jerron Cage was ten. All right. So Thayer Munford was fourteen. Thayer Munford is a great example of, of a guy. Um, he had some academic issues in high school. He he transferred from Cincinnati to Massillon. Um, he was a late ad, but they had people who fought for him, mm-hmm. who fought to get Thayer Munford in this class. He was the lowest ranked Ohio kid, but they saw something there. Um, they liked they liked his potential. Um, I think they liked the way he fought to get here. He overcame some hurdles to get here, and where would they be without Thayer Munford? So that, that kid was a 14th-ranked kid in Ohio, and he's a starting left tackle as a sophomore. So there are just too many examples of Darren Lee and Tyvis Powell and Thayer Munford and too many good. They, they grabbed Alex Williams late last year. They only had four out of 26. Alex Williams is a defensive end from Columbus who they grabbed really late and who redshirted this year. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly – again, you have to have room for those guys. So I just would – I think – Jim Trestle was always around 50-50. Mm-hmm. I don't think Ryan Day has to be 50-50, but I think Ryan Day and Urban Meyer would tell him the same thing. Four out of 26 is not going to cut it. No. And so I'll be very curious. They have some um, – Paris Johnson is a big-time guy mm-hmm. from Ohio in 2020. They have a couple kids from Arizona in 2020. I'll be very curious how they get after it mm-hmm. in Ohio. And to me, if I don't know in the end what Urban Meyer's ideal percentage was. I would have guessed if you said to Urban Meyer, what's the ideal percentage of Ohio kids in the class? Maybe he'd say between 30 and 40. Yeah. Um, if I were Ryan Day, I'd be thinking 40. I'd be thinking, yeah. I'd be leaning there because, again, you can't spend your time chasing guys that maybe you aren't going to get mm-hmm. and then wind up losing guys who could help you to Kentucky or uh, Michigan State or Penn State or plenty of these other schools.
I could talk about that stuff. I could talk about recruiting Ohio kids all ever, for forever. Um, all right. Ol Cloudy. O L C L O U T Y. KJ Hill, Austin Mack, and Ben Victor are all expected back, right? And will Olave take one of those top three receiver spots? Cameron Babb, Jalen Harris. If as we're talking about this, um, what what would your expectation be as we sit here now of what you think the receiver rotation will look like next year? First of all, do you is your gut is KJ Hill back or gone? I'm leaning gone. I think thousand yard receiving year. I don't know if there's much more for him to like show. Like he's never he's not gonna be a number one receiver in the NFL. He probably won't even be a number two. I, I don't know if he's he can do much more to improve his draft stock anymore. I think Austin Max back for sure. He got injured last year. He's got some things to prove. Um, but from again, I'll guarantee Austin Mack, Chris Olave, Ben Ben Victor, one hundred percent will be the top three guys in this rotation. And then you'll throw Garrett Wilson in there. He'll also get some playing time. But I would, for KJ Hill, I'll lean gone. Just because I don't know if there's much more he needs. I think he's in the same situation as Mike Weber. Like, there's not much more that I think NFL scouts need to see from them to, like, change their view. I, I talked to KJ Hill's. I did a big story on KJ Hill. KMFJ Hill. Hope you read it. KMFJ Hill. I hope you read it. Are you talking to him or are you talking to the reader? I love I love him. I love KJ Hill. I don't care if he read it. He, he lived it. He doesn't have to read it's it. Fair. You people should read it. KMFJ Hill. Look up KMFJ Hill and then go read it. Um, that's okay. Let's pretend he's gone. Yeah. What it seems to me, I wrote about Demario McCall the other day. It seems to me that Demario McCall might end up being more of a running back than mm-hmm. an H back. So if you're thinking. That it's J.K. Dobbins, Demario McCall at running back. Then there's there's openings at H, right? Yeah. Jalen Gill, who redshirted this year, has yeah. an opening at H back. Where do you where do you think do you who do you think? Let's try it this way. Who are the four receivers who will have the most receptions for Ohio State in 2019? And again, the candidates. If we're assuming K.J. Hill is gone, the candidates are Austin Mack, Ben Victor, Chris Olave, Jalen Harris, Garrett Wilson, mm-hmm. Cameron Babb, who was hurt this year. Who 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 were who was leaping to mind for you? Olave and Mack for sure. One hundred percent. Just because they're I think they're gonna get the most field time. All right. All those guys. I, it, within that answer, I'm gonna make you sidetrack. Who's gonna lead Ohio State in receptions next year? Olave. Okay. One hundred percent. Like one hundred percent. Oh yeah. Um, Austin Mack. I'll put Ben Victor in there. I'll, 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 I'll put some money down on that. Not really. I'm not Ari Wasserman. I don't gamble. But in theory, I'll put some money on that one. And I'll go Jalen Harris over Garrett. Well, just because I don't know. Like, I think Garrett's going to be how Olave was this past year where, like, it's gonna. He's not gonna start off like as part of like the normal rotation, just because like I don't know. You gotta work obviously, but I don't know if like Ryan's gonna Dave's gonna keep that same philosophy of like you're gonna start out on special teams and work your way into the lineup or not. If that's the case, and yeah, I think it'll start there. And I think by like week six or seven, we're gonna be asking, hey, how come Garrett Wilson isn't getting any time? How come Garrett Wilson isn't gonna get any time? And Ryan Day is gonna pull the Urban Meyer of yeah, I love to see him on the field. I love to see him on the field. And then by like week eight or nine. 
something random is going to happen where you're going to need to throw him out there. And I'm not saying he's going to turn into Olave and just be and just dominate either way, but I think that's what's going to – we won't see him as a part of the consistent receiver rotation until like week eight or nine. So I think that will kind of eliminate him because he's not going to be able to catch up to those guys with like what three or four weeks left unless he's just like that good and we just didn't know about it. So Chris Olave got a chance this year because of injury. Correct. Chris Olave was the number 399 recruit mm-hmm. in the class of 2018. Yep. Garrett Wilson is the number 16 recruit yeah. in the class of 2019. Yes. Ryan Day was intimately involved in the recruitment of Garrett Wilson himself, just mm-hmm. like he was involved with Chris Olave. Um, he told a Garrett Wilson story today that he loved. It was basically a, a Garrett Wilson toughness story. And we'll no, get... no, no, that's not what it was. It was basically another like endorsement of Matthew Baldwin and along the way of, of another thing that Matthew Baldwin. But he was Baldwin, talking about Garrett Wilson he kicking was, somebody's butt. But it was pretty much, hey, look what else I got out of getting Matthew Baldwin here. I was able to also find this guy, and he's amazing, all because I was looking at Matthew Baldwin. That's true, and it's funny. That's Olave and and Wilson share that in that Ryan Day was looking at Jack Tuttle in San Diego, who just transferred from Utah to Indiana, by the way, and found Chris Olave. He was looking at. Now you don't have to find Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson was a five star kid. It's it's just the fact that like I think that's like his thing. He goes looking for a quarterback and he finds himself a great wide receiver. Well, I mean, those are the those are the great recruiting stories of like the accident, not accidental necessarily. But that's not who you came to see. But that guy caught my eye. Um, I think Wilson. Could have a shot to get out there earlier than Olave did because mm. he's coming in with more height, because he's coming in with a, a head coach who knows him very well, mm. um, and because there's going to be more opportunity. You talked about all the guys who are yeah. going to leave. It was, I mean, how was Olave going to get into that rotation this year That's without true. an injury? Which is why there's, there's going to be openings. Yeah, it's going to be openings, but I just it, it, that like once again, it depends on like how much of like Urban Meyer's like culture is still on this. Is it still a situation where like if you're a skill player, if you want to get on the field? You got to start out in special teams. Well, I don't know what Garrett Wilson does in special teams. Like some guys are are great at what they do. He's maybe he's a great wide receiver, but maybe he's not a great guy on special teams. And if he keeps that philosophy of until you perform on special teams, you're not going to get on the field. Or if he sucks at special teams, yeah. And so because of that, the receiving corps suffers because you're missing a very good receiver because he's stuck sucking in special teams. Next year is going to be a really – there's going to be opportunity. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to me. Like, I still sort of think of, like, Austin Mack as a young guy. Like, oh, wait until – he's going to be a senior next year. Yeah, he's not young. It's no more waiting. This is, this is Austin Mack. And, again, he had injury issues this year that ended mm-hmm. his season prematurely. Basically played two-thirds – he played one – he played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven full games, and he got hurt during the Purdue game. Mm-hmm. So he played, like, seven and a half games. A lot of bad things happened in the Purdue his, game. His stats definitely went up. And he would have had a bigger year. But he finished with 26 catches for 331 yards this year. Mm-hmm. Last year, when he did play a full season, he had 24 catches for 343 yards. Um, so that's progress, right? Yeah. His freshman year, when people were maybe thinking he'd do something as a freshman, he had two catches for 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm waiting. We, uh, all of us, when, when Tim Bielek and Bill Anderson and I were talking about this before the season, our pick for the breakout receiver on this team was, was Austin Mack across mm-hmm. the board. We all thought Austin Mack was going to have that kind of year. Um, his biggest receiving game of the year was four catches for 84 yards against TCU. 
Against Penn State, he had three catches for 25 yards. Against Minnesota, he had two catches for 28 yards. He wasn't on that breakout pace. He was fine, but K.J. Hill and Paris Campbell went nuts this year. He yeah. didn't break out. Terry McLaurin had a bigger year. Yeah. Austin Mack didn't break out. So I think Austin Mack and Ben Victor are very similar circumstances where they've been around, they've had roles, but they've never been the guy. They've never really quite reach the potential that people mm-hmm. that I think they would admit they have. I think if you ask Ben Victor and you did talk to Ben Victor afterward, yeah. did you get that vibe from him? Like he feels like he hasn't reached his ceiling. Yeah. 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 Obviously, you know, the focus was still on this season, but there was a part of him that was like, before I even asked the question, it was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm can't wait right. till next year. I can't wait for next year. We have to go talk, I'm gonna to, talk to Tate. You can pause it. Yeah. Be back. All right. So that just happened. We went over and talked to Tate Martell after he ate his bagel. I don't have to, I, I should stop saying that he ate a bagel. That's bad reporting by me. I didn't ask him what he ate. I assumed he ate a bagel. I mean, we're up in there, so it was some type of breaded substance. I love a nice nighttime bagel. I mean, I'm not a really a... I if I'm going to have, like, a breakfast-type food, I'm probably going to be... Like, that's not, like, a full-fledged, like, pancakes, you know, or waffles or something. It's probably going to be some cereal. I don't know why, but milk cereal milk tastes better at night than it does yes, in the morning time. I see. I only it's thought weird. old men did No, it's so everybody. I don't know why. It's It's the two weirdest things in life. In my opinion, or the fact that the bed is more comfortable in the morning than it is at night, and that cereal milk tastes better at night than it does in the morning. And yet, we <coughs> eat cereal in the morning for breakfast, and you go to sleep at night. Man, you just blew my mind. It's amazing. Like, think about how hard it is to get out of the bed in the morning. But sometimes that sugary milk is a little much in the morning. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's the so fact you, it's, that it's, you it just brush your teeth, and all of a sudden yeah. you're eating like this very hard thing. It's like eating, it's like drinking a Gatorade right after you brush your teeth. It's awful. So we talked to Tate Martell, and <coughs> he's like, like, we're not supposed to talk to him, right? Because it's not an official media Allegedly. Thing. And like, he's not talking to us. Officially, right? And so he just, like, didn't really – he was like – we were like, hey, like, Human you beings. can tell us all your secrets. Yeah. And, and we won't do – all we'll just do is go back over to our <laughs> podcast here in two minutes and spill them all. <laughs> oh, yeah. But just tell us all your secrets, and he didn't want to tell us any secrets. So he didn't basically say anything different than what he said to you on the record, Stephen, after the Big Ten Championship game, which is like, I'm going to be here and I'm coming back. And then we just had a lovely little chat about life. I'll say this, like, because this isn't really breaking any rules. I think I like his confidence level, regardless of like anything, like what we of what anything. I just like his confidence level in general. I love him. Like I, I've I've loved him. I I, I I like him personally. He's a great. He's. I think I've talked to him twice now. Um, obviously. Um, once as both, uh, once as a reporter, and the other time just as a normal human being. One as a guy just eating a bagel, <laughs> like, and I think him being on that Netflix show kind of like formed a narrative of like what type of person he's going to be. And you see some of the things he was doing, and it was like, oh, he's like, he's like the new Johnny Manziel. Oh my God, this is going to go south really, really quickly. No, he's actually like a lot calmer than Johnny Manziel was. No, and I think it, it's fun to compare people to Johnny Manziel. Yeah, because Johnny, it was fun until it wasn't fun anymore. Right, that's what it was. And, and, and the hard part is, is like you can compare like the playmaking, and then you can compare like the, the swagger. But then, like to comp- and then, but it inevitably people assume some part of your comparison is like he negative. was a nut. Yeah, that he didn't study his playbook. He was unreliable. He partied all, <coughs> all the time. The swan, the inflatable swan. So like. <coughs> I'm just gonna. You're gonna just wake up on the podcast one day and like. Please don't die. I'm, I might not be dead, but I might not be able to talk anymore. Um, 
I like him, and I don't think he like that's not who he is. He's serious no. about this, and he's just it's a hard thing. Like all these kids, you come here. There's talented people all over the place. Mm-hmm. There are high expectations placed on you and that you have for yourself. He's only been here for two years. He redshirted his first year when he was a fourth string guy behind, mm-hmm. like JT, JT Barrett, Barrett, who was a fifth year senior, Joe Burrow, who became LSU starting quarterback, and Dwayne Haskins, Haskins, who set every record there was in the Big Ten. That's a that's a good big three to like be sitting behind and nobody have a problem. So now he's number two this year behind a Heisman finalist. And like so not like he's behind scrubs. And then his coach changes. Yeah. And now there's this Justin Fields talk. But you know what? I, I, everything that we say about Tate Martell is just the same stuff we say about guys going to the NFL. It's like, well, if he's that good and they bring in Justin Fields and they have a competition in the spring and Justin Fields wins the job, why would Tate Martell stay? Mm-hmm. That's the same stuff that we'd say about anybody. You're too good to sit. And that's a compliment to somebody. But also when I told Tate Martell this just now, it's like, this is your life. We're not trying to like speculate on, no. on, on, this is, this isn't speculation. This isn't a game. Like, you. This is real. Like, he's good enough to play. He's good enough to play. And so, you know, he didn't tell us some secret inside story that like Justin Fields is coming tomorrow and that Tate's leaving the next day yeah. or that the Justin Fields stuff is crap. And he's, I think he's just a kid who has very high standards for himself, really wants to play. Mm-hmm. I think the way Urban Meyer talked about it, I think there were times this year when it was really hard for him to not play. I think they were trying to get him some reps to keep him engaged, which teams do all the time with high-profile recruits. But they didn't do it on a consistent enough basis to where like it was going to have any type of actual success. They did fail with that, I think. Yeah. They, they missed the mark in trying to find a way to keep him engaged and help the team at the same time. And I think they ended up forcing it in a way that didn't work and they could have just found a, a, a smoother way mm-hmm. that I think would have helped him and helped the team. But 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 that wasn't a kid standing over by the bagels. No, he wasn't who, bitter who was about like, it I'm all. out the door. Either time, even on some this is on the record because he actually said this. Listen, this year was Dwayne Haskins here year. Like I completely understood that. Like I was supportive of it and I never really you know, he never, you know, obviously that there's moment you're still a human being so you want to be on the field, but like he was a good sport about it. He completely understood that this was Dwayne Haskins' year, and it was 100% Dwayne Haskins' year. And so he didn't seem to have any type of problem with the fact that, like, hey, the guy that's in front of me was really, really good. Like, it wasn't like it was a scrub where it's like, dude, like, I should be in front of this guy. Like, no, this guy's really good at what he does. And I think that's part of why they, there was no consistency with putting Martell into any type of package together because of the fact that, like, they're so different. Most of the things that Martell is really, really good at, Dwayne Haskins isn't really really good at those things. He's really, really good at the other things. And so it's kind of hard to when you're trying to put together a sit like Ryan Day said today, you want to put together something that, you know, benefits the talent that you have, whether it's a dual threat quarterback, whether it's a run first quarterback or a pocket passer. Well, this year they did that. They had a pocket passer and they put it designed an offense that benefited him and it worked out to their favor. But Urban Meyer is still the king of the spread offense so he still wants to have that element of rpos and this out there on the field at times but it was never out there consistent enough for it to have any success so he could have told us something he didn't i i i don't know it's a tough spot i can't imagine that you, I mean, you're here waiting your turn and you think you're next in line mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden this justin field stuff is cropping up yeah i cannot make you feel great 
Um, so here's here's a here's the question, and I will say this: I think I think there was um, a moment. He was really blocked. He got here and he was really blocked right away. And, and again, we're talking about Justin Fields, who was the number two overall recruit in the country last year, the number yep. two quarterback, the number two overall player. He decided to go to a school that had just reached the national championship game yep. with a freshman quarterback. He knew exactly what he was walking into. Mm -hmm. Tate Martell chose Ohio State. He had an idea. He knew Joe Burrow was here. He knew Dwayne Haskins was here. But he knew there was only really two guys he had to wait behind. And right. after that, it's all up for competition. So this has gone kind of, I think, as he would have expected. Yeah. That, like, Redshirt as a freshman, as a fourth guy, and then Dwayne's here for a year. And if he's really good, he, he's gone. And then it's my turn. Mm -hmm. And now, all of a sudden, here comes the Justin Fields stuff. Raquel Moran. We'll start with her. How can Ohio, and this is, we're going to get into the Tate and Field stuff simultaneously because they're obviously related. Raquel, how can Ohio State best handle the field speculation? Sounds like they have a good chance here. How do they not mess up? I'm not sure there's anything to mess up. I think a lot of schools are going to want Justin Fields. For some reason, he clearly has interest here. And it was nothing that Ryan Day could talk about or would talk about mm -hmm. on Wednesday. But I will tell you, I just got a feeling um, from some just sort of talking with some people around the Woody. Um, and the reporting would tell you this. This feels very real. And, and so, you know, I don't know... Uh, Certainly somebody else could come in, another school could come in and say, hey, 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 here's this, here's that. We guarantee you the starting spot, whatever. But I think Ohio State's in a good situation. It seems like by every indication, Justin Fields wants to be here, wants, is very interested in this. And so um, I just think when, when Ohio State, as Ohio State's deciding this, it feels like to me, and we'll get to the second question from Patrick Barton at pbarton254, if Tate doesn't win the starting job after spring practice, what are the odds he transfers? Does it matter if he's competing against Baldwin or a transfer? I wrote this when I wrote a thousand-word story about Justin Fields on Tuesday. Do you think that, we, that Justin Fields and Tate Martell could both be on the roster for the first game of 2019, or does it feel like a choice? I think it's... It, I, I've said this, I said this on my radio show earlier today, and I'm going to stay by this sentiment. Both of those players will not be on this roster by the time August rolls around in 2019. Because they're too good. They're too, both of them are starting quarterback at a college football Power 5 school. I think if Justin, I think it, the, when, if Tate Martell does transfer, when it happens will depend on whether or not Fields comes. If Fields comes, if, if let's say Fields, uh, January tenth, let's just like let's just throw this like theoretical date out there that January tenth, Justin Fields gets on his Twitter account and says, "Hey guys, I'm coming to play at the Ohio State University next year," and he gets the hardship and he's able to play next year. January eleventh, we're gonna be breaking news that Tate Martell is entering the NCAA transfer pool, 100%. Now, if Justin Fields 
for some reason, decides that he wants to go somewhere else and play there. Maybe for some random reason, he just decides to go to a Pac-12 school. I don't know why I said Pac-12, but we're going to roll with it anyway. And that, so now, Tate Martell's not transferring on the J- January 11th. He's going through spring practice the same way Joe Burrow did and, try, and competing with Matthew Baldwin for that job. Now, here are the two scenarios then. He wins the job. All right, he's the quarterback to 2019. Cool. I don't think anybody would be upset with that. He loses the job. Well, he's out of here by June. So either way, he's there's three scenarios that happen, and there's only one of them where Tate Martell stays. That's the scenario where they walk out there on Friday of next August, and he's the start guy under center when the Ohio State's offense takes the field. In the class of 2017, I'm trying to look this one guy up because I don't actually don't know what the deal is with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, here were the top five play, f- top sorry, Friday, five sorry. quarterbacks um, in the class of 2017. Okay, mm. uh, I'm, I'm still looking up this first guy because I don't really know anything about him. Okay, he hasn't played. All right, the number one guy was a guy named Davis Mills, who went to Stanford. Was a five star guy. Uh, and has not played yet. But their guy, I think, is pretty good. Number two was Hunter Johnson, who went to Clemson. Um, did not play his first year behind Kelly Bryant. And then when um, the number one overall quarterback in the class of 2018... Um, wait, I get their names confused because they both sound like quarterback names. There's Hunter Johnson is the 2017 guy. And then Trevor Lawrence. Those are pocket quarterbacks. For the short 2018 too. guy. They're not moving out of that pocket. So Trevor Lawrence came, won the job as a freshman. Hunter Johnson, who's sitting there as a second year guy, mm-hmm. sees that and transfers. Mm-hmm. He transferred to Northwestern. He's probably going to be a Northwestern starting quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. The number three guy, number three quarterback in 2017 was the guy you may know by the name of Tua Tangavailoa. Yep. The number four guy is a guy you may know by the name of Jake Fromm. Mm-hmm. Um, they played each other in the national championship game. Fifth was Tate Martell. Mm-hmm. So the the four guys ahead of him, one hasn't played, but one got saw the writing on the wall and transferred already, mm-hmm. and the other two guys are starters for elite teams. And Tate Martell is still waiting for a shot. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. We don't have to talk. We could talk about Tate Martell for five hours, but we wouldn't get anywhere. No. The thing I think I want to communicate to people is, I think Tate Martell, there was a moment, a flash of a moment when Tate Martell could have been gone after a year here. That he was here, he was a fourth stringer his first year, he redshirted, and he could have looked at Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins and everything else and said, you know what, I'm out. Which is what... Justin Fields is trying to do right now, which mm-hmm. is what Hunter Johnson did, which is what would, would not be unusual. But, and I think Urban Meyer talked about this, I think he got a little bit of a connection here. He got connected to the program, to the mm-hmm. team, to the teammates, to the coaches. He felt something here um, that, of course, he wants to play. Of course, he has high standards, but he didn't want to just bail. And that's to his credit. And, and is, if Ohio State ends up welcoming in Justin Fields, who left his team after a year, uh, you need to appreciate Tate Martell, who is stuck around for two years and yeah. hasn't gotten much of a shot. Um, I think Tate Martell would be good. I don't know if Tate Martell is exactly what Ryan Day is looking for. 
And we'll talk about this answer now. I asked Ryan Day, sort of like, what are you looking for in a quarterback? And he did talk a lot about arm talent. And I think if you think Tate Martell can't throw, that's wrong. Tate Martell, Tate Martell can throw. He threw for a boatload of yards in high school. But he's not Dwayne Haskins. And I don't know that he's Justin Fields. He's a smaller guy than Justin Fields. Tate's like 5'10", 5'11". Mm-hmm. Justin Fields is 6'3". If you're looking for a bigger guy, Justin Fields is clearly a dual-threat guy too. But if you're just looking for like a bigger, stronger arm passer, that's just not exactly what Tate Martell is. Mm-hmm. But Tate Martell has his own skill set. He stuck around, he got connected here, and he just may be a victim of sort of ships passing in the night. And I just hope if it, if it doesn't work out for Tate Martell here, I hope it works out for Tate Martell somewhere else. And I think maybe there was this impression, and maybe people like me helped fuel it, of him as sort of like this gunslinger guy. I hate Tate Martell. He's wild and crazy. And who knows what's going to happen with him. And it feels like there's been transfer speculation with him since the minute he got on campus. Mm-hmm. But what he's actually turned out to be, through two years is a Buckeye through and through who's gutted it out, done his job, waited his turn, and now it may turn out that he doesn't get his turn. Two things on that. First of all, I think for a guy who's from Vegas, like his connection to this school is <coughs> Ohio kid-like. Like his grandfather went to Ohio State. Yeah, and so, but like, it's still, he's not from here. He's like, got a real... He, 100%, yeah, he's like, there's something. for a guy who's not from here, I didn't feel like they ever needed to explain to him what the Michigan rivalry was. It seemed like he understood that from day one. Also, yeah, I think he has the connections to the school, but I also think he's a competitor. I think I think when he looked at Joe Burrow and he looked at Dwayne Haskins, okay, he knew Dwayne Haskins was going to be the starting quarterback when JT Barrett left, 100%. But I do think a part of him thought, I can compete with Joe Burrow. 100%. Yep. I can compete with Matthew Baldwin. And now I think it's the same situation where it's like, I can compete. I can beat Joe Burrow. I can beat Matthew Baldwin out for this job. I'm not going to beat out a guy who, who was the number two player in his class and is literally transferring because he's not, he lost a job somewhere else and wants to play wider way and is coming to his, is whatever school he goes to, he's going to be going there with the expectation that he is going to be on the field in 2019. You can't beat that guy out because it's not, there's not going to be a competition for that. It's going to – wherever Justin Fields goes, he's going to be the number one quarterback regardless of where he goes. And I think that understanding is like when you know there's no opportunity to compete for a job, you got to leave. And that's, I think, what what you're going to see with him. If Justin Fields comes, there's going to be an understanding that, listen, there's – I understand that you probably think you can beat them out, but you're not going to get the chance to. And that's the difference between a quarterback who gets somewhere and – transfers right away when they see oh, there's not even going to be a chance for me to compete in someone where it's like okay i can compete with this guy and beat this guy i hope it works out for tate yeah it's hard it's hard in the quarterback world and i remember this goes far back as when terrell Pryor was here and they had trouble trying to stack guys behind him because mm-hmm. you have a quarterback who plays when he's young guys don't want to come and sit ryan day was asked about this today sort of this world where these these highly ranked quarterbacks go to schools where other highly ranked quarterbacks are there and then they want to move right away mm-hmm. and, and he was sort of expressing the idea that that might not be the greatest thing in the world while we're all sitting here knowing that Ohio State might be ready to catch one of those guys right. leaving. So um, I think it's probably fine. I mean, you can't, a lot of people have, have, have over the years um, began pushing for, for these kids to have more freedom in transferring, right? To not have to sit out a year. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches leave. Why can't players leave? So this is the reality. So, mm-hmm. so like you, you can't complain about like the wild west of guys leaving after a year in a world where a lot of the same people have been saying, "Hey, why, why do players get punished by having to sit after a transfer?" So, I just hope it works out for him because I think he's done everything um, 
I think he's just he's done everything asked of him. Yeah. And he, when he did get on the field this year, it's like I thought he made some wrong reads in the zone read a couple times. But for the most part, he was solid. But I think he got he got put in a tough spot. I don't think I don't think they were great at it. I think they should have been better at it, and they weren't for some reason. Guys were jumping off sides. Like they just didn't execute that right. Sometimes when they try to do this stuff, they're not great at it. They weren't great at the Braxton Miller Wildcat stuff in, no. in 2015. Um, it, it's just hard. And I wish they would have played him. I wish they would have played him a series every single game and given him a full series and not just a package at the goal line, but they didn't. There's no reason to go over that ground again. But I'm just telling you, we just saw the guy – Eat a muffin, or a bagel, or a. He cookie. ate some Panera. That's just, just let's just say like yeah. Three he ate some Panera. Yeah, yeah. Whatever that food actually is, he ate some Panera. <laughs> Good luck to the Panera eating Tate Martell with whatever happens. We like you, buddy. Man, it's all take questions. All right, uh, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? Mark Roberts, best Christmas movie at Mark Forty Four Roberts. Also, I'd be more interested in life in the press box. We all know there's no cheering, but what happens when an amazing play occurs? Everyone sits in stony silence. What is it like to watch there? Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? I do um, not have a favorite Christmas movie, but I have like a favorite, like, it's not my favorite movie, but it's like my mom has a favorite Christmas movie, movie and I like like watching it like with her like i would never just watch it on my own but i would yeah. watch it with my mother shout out to my mother i'm not saying her name on here because like she just doesn't live in this world so it's, it's, i don't need to know my mom's name just mind your business is it nancy no okay i'm, I'm just guessing Take, taking a shot oh not even close okay. you're not gonna guess it like i don't think anybody else in the world has my mother's name really yeah i like that yeah it's interesting all right so now listen. it's interesting because my name is like steven and like yeah. there's a lot of stevens so it's like you couldn't have gave a meal. Would you rather have a name that nobody else has? Um, yeah, but to an extent. Like, I don't want a name where it's like, I've had the job for a month, so I can still say this. I don't want a job that where like, <laughs> like you see it, and like you go no, because <laughs> it happens. Like we're not gonna sit here and act like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, or it's like you see that, and like I don't want my name to ever like feel like it's like defining my personality mm -hmm. pretty much and that's what you can do with names sometimes but to get back on the track of like my mother's favorite movie it's the the muppets christmas movie nice yeah she loves that movie like she sits down and watches every year i don't know if she's done it this year i might have to go do that next um have much time yeah i guess it's christmas this next week but yeah that's my um what's yours what's your actual well, you're older than me you secret like agent randy so you think it's mine's gonna be like a wonderful life or miracle on 34th street like it's black and white i was definitely thinking like miracle that's my dad's favorite it's really miracle on, yeah miracle on 34th street he has uh, the color and the black and white version. sad secret agent randy beans got more specific he said elf or bad santa but i think um elf is my favorite christmas movie in general because he says you're uh, too old for that to be your favorite my movie. finger has a heartbeat I, I often say my finger has a heartbeat oh my god, oh my god you are will ferrell I, people, oh my god yeah 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 i've gotten that at times oh before. my partly of it is because i'm flabby and he takes his shirt off a lot in yeah, and he's yeah, yeah, yeah if you ever wanted to know what i look like with my shirt off i don't know if you've seen like will ferrell running uh, around the track on talladega nights like in tidy whities <laughs> with his shirt off it's kind of like that <laughs> That's so a good I really like Elf, and he also says, Santa, I know him. I know him. I say that a lot, too. Um, what was it? There was another part to that. What was it? No, no, just Elf for Bad Santa. Okay, oh, cool. oh, but Mark oh, Roberts okay. had other questions. 
the press box life. Oh. So you, well, I'll, I'll let you answer this. What did you think? Because you'd been I've been in to enough some press games, boxes. You cover games in college, and yeah. Stuff, like, but you hadn't been in a no, 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 Ohio no. State, oh, Maryland oh. press box. Oh, okay. I'll be honest with you. The Maryland press box was great because there was definitely a point in that game where everything kind of flipped for everybody. But we're like, oh, they're gonna turn it on eventually. But they were really sucking today. And then I don't know what I think Maryland kept scoring, and then it was like. Wait, is Mar- I think I looked at you and went, is Maryland going to win this game mm-hmm. right now? Like, so I think that was fun. But as far as the press box, I've been in plenty of press box. It's the same concept. You know, nobody talks. There's random. All right. There's like random. Like, not Tate Martell. Yeah, it's not, that Tate, is Martell. not Tate Martell. These are other people. There's like random, like smart, smart remarks by like random people at times. I mean, it's no different than like your like everyday workspace. Like, say you work in a cubicle and like it's kind of like that. It's just, you know. We're closer and we get food. There, we always talk about there's there's some juice. Like there, you know, you're not supposed to root for a team, but like um, the the Ohio State press box gets more juice when like the Buckeyes are doing some stuff. Like, yeah. There's an undercurrent to it that like when they're losing, the undercurrent is different. Yeah. Um, but I but it's not. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's silence. Like when someone no, makes no, no, a great no, no. play. People go, oh, yeah. I mean, we listen. We're but still it's just like you don't care what yeah, happened on the play. You human. can appreciate greatness. Yeah, we're still humans. Like we still like we like sports, guys. We do like it. We're not all as cynical as Doug is. We're not like we're not robots made by yeah. an alien race. <laughs> for just yeah, people. no, we're just not rooting for a team. But that doesn't mean like if we see somebody make like when Dwayne Haskins dropped that like sixty-two yard bomb in the. Big Ten Championship game. I was like, I was impressed just like you were watching it at home or watching it in the stands or wherever you were watching it. I was just as impressed. I just couldn't go, oh, my God, look at what just happened. And there is, and and I do think, you know, like when Anthony McFarland starts busting off 80-yard runs in the first quarter for Maryland, there is a way when you aren't rooting for a team, it does allow you to just appreciate greatness. Yeah. Whether it's a run, whether it's a tackle, an interception, a pass. And you just appreciate the fact that, like, there are hard work and, and and this is different. I've covered enough pro sports, enough college sports. I have an appreciation for these guys who are doing this and mm-hmm. who aren't making a million bucks to do it, and who are not cynical thirty-year-old dudes mm-hmm. who um, are cashing a giant check and going home to their mansion, which mm-hmm. is also fine because a lot of these college guys wind up being those guys. But but when when you just see kid it's just a kid chris olave is just a kid and when he starts catching touchdowns in the michigan game you're like holy moly yeah you know and when keandre jones blocks a punt and keandre jones has been waiting all year for a chance to play and you say oh my god mm. and when terry mclaurin runs down the field as a gunner on on and pins punt a, coverage and pins the ball for the sixth time and he's exhausted and he can barely stand and he has to go play offense like you appreciate he, that you appreciate that, and so I, you can appreciate greatness. You don't. It's not silent. Don't no, like no, you said. No, 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 no. It's not. It's like, just not go bucks. Yeah, I'll say this. I get happier when like if I made if I wrote a story about somebody, and then like that week they have like a great week. Oh yeah, you root for yourself to be right. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because then it's like, oh look, now more people are gonna go want to hear about this guy. And what's the first thing they're gonna go do? They're gonna type that man's name in on Google. And if you're the only person that wrote a story about him that week, guess who's getting all the views? The most important thing to root for as a sports writer is to root for yourself. 100%. Um, you know what else? If I were, even if I were a robot made by aliens, I would still 
visit shopohiostate.com for the finest Ohio State apparel. Even if I were not human, I am human, and so I could have a human emotion that says that's a beautiful fleece. But even if I weren't, if I were programmed by an alien race, I'm sure that alien race would program me to want to get 25% off spirit gear by signing up for shopohiostate.com right now. There's all kinds of special Rose Bowl stuff. You still can get stuff in for the holiday season. Get to shopohiostate.com for sweatshirts, for t-shirts, for sweatpants, for fleeces, for zip-ups. This is high-quality stuff. It is. This is the best time of the year because you can get like that really nice sweatshirt, that really nice sweater, that really nice scarf or hat. There's a beautiful cutter and buck half zip sweater, 105 bucks. Like that sounds like a lot, but you know who would like that? Your dad. I'm a dad. I like a, I, I like a half zip sweater from cutter and buck. So go to shopohiostate.com. If you don't want to spend 105 bucks, you can spend 60 and get something great. If you don't want to spend 60, you can spend 35 on a really awesome Nike tri blend crew t-shirt. <clears throat> There's a huge selection. It's high quality. They're our very first sponsor here on Buckeye Talk. Show them some appreciation and get some great stuff for you or your family from the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore. If you want to do some shopping in person here before Christmas, get to it at 1598 North High Street. If you can't get to it on a high street, type it in on your browser, shopohiostate.com. Let's get to some Gmail questions from the people. I'm going to bring up this guy who I talked to at the Browns. We did a live Browns podcast on Monday night at Sibling Revelry Brewery in, Brewery in Westlake. Yeah, Hayden sang. I also sang. I didn't Hayden, see that video. I Hayden sang a Rudolph song, yeah, Hayden Grove. I saw that one. And then I had written a column that day that said the Browns are going to go 12 and 4 next year. And so I sang this song after Hayden sang, and I sang, and I don't want you guys to miss it, so I'll sing it to you. 12 and 4, 12 and 4, the Browns are going to go 12 and 4 next year. Oh, God. And everybody loved it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because my voice is beautiful. No, I think it's just because like, they're like dumbfounded Browns fans. Who keep they sound it's always, like a lunatic. They think next year is the, it's always next year. They think the next year is finally. It actually year. is next year this time. All right. We'll All right. See. Bill Davis question from Taylor Clawson. So I met Taylor Clawson there. He's a loyal Buckeye Talk listener. He came to the live Orange and Brown Talk event, came up and talked to me afterwards. Um, great to talk to him. And I, I remember that Taylor Clawson had written to us before, and he came back with another question today about Bill Davis. I think most fans expect Bill Davis to be gone next year and potentially Greg Schiano and Greg Studrawa. One coach I haven't heard much about in regards to his future is Tabor Johnson. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to bring in any big-time recruits in the secondary this year, and the cornerbacks were inconsistent during the year. Do you think he will be back next year? If not, is it actually realistic to think Kerry Combs would consider returning? If not Kerry Combs, are there any cornerbacks coaches out there Ohio State should consider? Keep up the great work. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit before. Listen, like this is... Ryan Day has some relationships with guys. He clearly knows the offense much, 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 much better than he knows the defense. Taylor Johnson's only been here for a year. Taylor Johnson has connections to Ohio State because he coached under Jim Trestle here for several years. He does not really have much of a connection to Ryan Day. And I don't know exactly why Kerry Combs decided to go, but I just do think there might be a window with a couple adjustments, maybe a bigger title, maybe a bigger pay raise, that you maybe, maybe, 
could get carry combs back. And so this is all speculation. I have zero information on this. I have, I did not have not seen Taver Johnson at Panera to ask him what kind of bagel he ate and if he has anything he wants to tell us in secret. But I don't know. And this is the kind of thing I just don't think. Do you think Ryan Day should have any loyalty? How, how do you think Ryan Day should approach this, Stephen? Do you think that Ryan Day should approach this like I have 10 openings on my staff? Mm. And if I think Brian Hartline is the best receivers coach that I can get, great. I'll fill a spot with him. If, I, if Larry Johnson's the best defensive line coach I can get, great. If Tony Alford the best running backs coach, great. But that he's only judging guys on are they the absolute best guy he could get or do, should he have – any extra amount of loyalty or any extra amount of a commitment to continuity mm-hmm. that he should lean towards guys that, you know what, like if he doesn't have a cornerbacks coach in mind, Tabor Johnson's fine, I'll keep him, or should he really be thinking about a fresh start? I think the easy answer is to sit there and go just think of a fresh start, but I think that from how he's talked, he's not going to do that. I think what he should do is like it's a fine line to walk, right? You can't just, like, get rid of the whole staff and bring in a whole new regime like that because you're just not going to be able to do that. I think it comes back to you're not Urban Meyer, so your loyalty should be limited. I think when you're talking about positions, coaches, where it's clear that, like, yo, he shouldn't be here, and the only reason why he would even still be here is if Urban Meyer was still coaching, he's got to go. But, like, when it comes – like, Tony Alford, he's not a terrible running backs coach. Like, the running backs have been pretty solid. He went like, down and got J.K. Dobbins out of Texas. Yeah, like, yep. it, like Mike Weber had a solid career here. Now, he's not Ezekiel Elliott or Maurice Claret or, you know, Beanie Wells or anything. But he's had a solid career here. Like, it's not like the running backs here have been awful since Tony Alford got here. So, I think Tony Alford's a guy like, yeah, you can keep Tony Alford. I don't know if, like, the option is to go – I think that the, the best option is – when it comes to guys like that, where it's like, I mean, could you get better? Yeah. But, like, you could do a lot worse as well. Yeah. If you don't have a guy in mind, just keep that guy. But when it comes to certain, like, Bill Davis should not be here next year. Like, here we go, back on Bill Davis game. I think Greg Schiano. Welcome to the Bill Davis should be gone <laughs> yeah. train. Yeah. I think Greg Schiano is another guy where it's like, eh, maybe. But, like, if you can go, I think there's a guy where it's like, if you can go get another option, try to go get a better option. Just because, I mean. Like a lot of things Greg Schiano was doing, it, when he simplified, it was better. And I think with the talent that they had this year, simple was better. And when he tried to like mix things up and make things more complex, things got worse. And Chase Young literally said that after the I'm what game was that? The Maryland game. Maryland. Maryland. Game. He literally came out and said, "You know what? Know when we start playing better, we simplify things." And they simplified things against Michigan, and it worked along with Michigan's idiotic play calling plan. They simplified things against Northwestern, and Chase Young literally made every defensive play that led to any type of big time play for their defense. So I think because of, yeah, I think with Tony Alford, yeah, you probably keep that guy because it's a you can do better, but you can do a lot worse as well. Like I think he's kind of teeters on the positive side than more than the negative side from a pros and cons standpoint. I think Bill Davis can't be back. I think Greg Schiano is a guy who probably teeters more to the negative than the positive. So with those type of guys, yeah, try to go get a better option. I I like it when you're talking about assistant coaches and you can point to a couple recruiting successes. Like J.K. Dobbins to me is a big deal for Tony Alford. Um, And you know, Tabor, Tabor's only been here a year, but, like, there's no corners in this class at the moment. No. Um, and maybe they felt like they didn't need him, and that's fine. But, again, I, 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 want, I want you to go out and show me 
Um, Guys want to play for you. Because you can't, and, and, and Urban, again, Urban Meyer said it, and Ryan Day said the same thing. It's the number one part of their job. Yeah. So you've got you've to get some skins on the wall. Mm-hmm. And until you have them, I think it's reasonable to have questions. So this is a really good question by Dustin Nur, 65, uh, who sent this question on Gmail. Doug, you've had discussions in the past on how you believe Ohio State is an elite team that doesn't have championship windows. Now that Urban is gone, and you sounded a bit pessimistic last week about the future of Ohio State's national recruiting, do you now believe Ohio State only has a particular window in which they can win a national championship, such as the next two years while the team is still loaded with Urban's recruits? It's a great, great question. And there's a lot of things, and and, and we'll spend a lot of time on this in the offseason. There's a lot of things that when you say Ohio State, you mean Ohio State, mm-hmm. and you mean Ohio State regardless of who the coach is. Mm-hmm. And there are other times when you talk about Ohio State, and really what you're talking about is Ohio State in this era with this coach. Mm-hmm. And that when I was talking about Ohio State in 2008, what I really meant was Jim Tressel's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking about Ohio State in 2015, what I really meant was Urban Meyer's Ohio State. So I definitely had reached the point where I had thought Ohio State was a school that still had windows. And then it seemed like every time we thought they had a window, they won the year before. Mm. We thought they were going to be... The window was 2015. They won in 2014. The window was 2017. They made the playoff in 2016. Mm -hmm. That's when I said, I'm done with windows. They don't have windows anymore. They're good enough to make the playoff any year. They're good enough to be a national championship contender every year. I've talked a lot about these, this, the number two ranked recruiting classes in 2017 and 2018. That next year, those guys are going to be sophomores and juniors. If you thought they were a half step back this year a little bit, it's because they had a, a 15 and 16. The classes weren't quite as good. They may go back to windows. Do you think, Stephen, is your inclination that Ohio State will be a playoff contender every year under Ryan Day? Or will they be more like a team that's always good, but you're going to say, oh, like in 2021, that's the year they're going to win the national. That's the year they can win the national championship. But then maybe in 22 and 23, they'll take a step back. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think there's a window for Big Ten competing. No. I think, and again, I, I had a meeting with Gene Smith the other day, and I'm just going to start writing a lot of the stuff that Gene and I talked about. Absolutely, they need to be the number one program in the Big Ten. That doesn't mean you have to win the Big Ten every year, but they cannot relinquish being the number one program in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Maybe Michigan beats you. And, and wins the East in a year. Overall, Maybe Penn State does it in a year. But you don't relinquish the title as a program. That is absolutely the threshold. But I also think it's possible we're going to start comparing them more to Michigan and Penn State and compare them less to Alabama and Clemson and Georgia. Because, frankly, since 2014, we haven't compared them to Michigan and Penn State. Because they're 7-0 and against Michigan. Right. They've dominated the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, truly, their rivals, when it really came down to it, were no longer in the Big Ten. Their mm-hmm. rivals were on a national scene. I think it's possible they go back to an era where their rivals are the Big Ten, and then when they are at their peak, you're talking about a playoff. But maybe you're not talking about a team that is honestly every year a playoff contender. A couple of things on that. I'm going to stay to the sentiment until anything changes. I don't think this they can be put in the same conversation as the Michigans and the Penn States and the Michigan States until especially Michigan until Michigan wins period I just I've not until you beat the team you until you can prove to me that you can beat the team it's just a 
speculation and build up every that we do every year leading up to that game which is fine it's just part of our job but like that's what it is it's a build up until you actually win the game and then we can actually start saying, oh this is a game again until then Ohio State is the favorite to win every year no matter how we want to spin it and splice it no matter what the rankings are this year prove that that once for the second time in the last three years Michigan was the favorite and the last time they just lost this time they got their butts whipped now as far as from the premise of the question, that's a hard thing to answer right now. And the reason why is, well, Ryan doesn't have, doesn't have a recruiting class yet. His recruiting class right now is his first recruiting class is 2020. And unless, like, yeah, it's got five people in it right now that was still kind of the help of Urban Meyer. But, like, for the most, like, like, his first recruiting class has five players in it right now. He hasn't gotten a real chance to get down to the groundwork and actually start working on that class yet. And so to say, what they're not, or a lot of that is depending on who they bring in as recruits. Well, this is still Urban Meyer's class. So, of course, for the next two or three years, because uh, because there's still Urban Meyer's guys playing, at least for the next two or three years, they're still going to be in that position where we're thinking, okay, this team can make a playoff and compete for a national championship. When this 2020 class is like sophomores and juniors and maybe even seniors, and the majority of the guys on this roster are Ryan Day's guys, then you can make a, a – clear gauge of that but you can't make a gauge of that until you see what type of recruiting class ryan day is able to get together ryan day has been here for two weeks and he just swayed the best player in ohio to come play for him for i don't know for whatever that's worth that's a pretty solid thing to be able to do that you've been on the job for two or three weeks and yet a five-star top 10 guy still wants to come play for you that you did that you didn't spend them now garrett wilson yeah that was his guy but zach harrison wasn't his guy he, that's a defensive guy he didn't he had nothing to do with him until he got this job so i don't think you can say whether or not you can speculate what they're going to go back to but until you see until that's we see what this 2020 class can look like then we can't really answer that question so i would say to that ask me again on this date in 2019 and i'll have a clearer answer for you um listen i think ryan day is really good I just think it's hard to be Urban Meyer. I don't well, want yeah. it. I don't I'm want not, it to yeah. sound like that we're like down on Ryan Day. No. We're just trying to sound an alarm, a little not an alarm, just a a realistic um, assessment the, of Ur- you've not. If you're replacing one of the five best coaches ever, you might yeah. not be as good. Like that's fine. And Urban redefined recruiting, and it's a very high standard. Yeah. And I'll and I'll be curious to see if they can stick to it. Um, I want to get to specifically uh, some of the questions specifically that we got after signing day today. And one of them is exactly what you just talked about. Zach Dixon asked, did Ryan Day landing Harrison validate him as an elite recruiter? Um, A lot of people are asking about uh, this Zach Harrison commitment and how big it is. Ryan Day said it was huge to have a local guy like that. He said how big it was faking fake Ryan Day. Um, from the Urban Renewal. How many fake you think, Ryan Day counts are there? Oh, there's a million. Do you think if Ohio State had lost Harrison along with the other guys who flipped the national perspective may have been that Day wasn't able to hold it together? Do you think Meyer would have landed Harrison? Um, <laughs> so there's people asking about Harrison. Okay, I'll say this when it comes to Harrison. I said this before <coughs> today. I'm pretty sure I said this in a podcast. This was a only a win situation for Ryan Day. If he lost him, it would have been simply one of the, we could have just literally chalked this up to the fact that 
This was an Urban Meyer guy who came, who wanted to play for Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is no longer here. Ryan Day has three wins on his belt because of a suspension from Urban Meyer. So this is his first full season. So, of course, there's going to be speculation whenever there's change. That's to be expected. Battle is a prime example of a guy where I'm a defensive guy. You just hired an offensive guy who I've probably never spoken to before in my life because there's no reason for me to speak to him. He's the offensive coordinator, and I play safety. When am I ever going to need to talk to the offensive coordinator about anything unless I'm yelling, yo, y'all need to stay on the field longer because we're tired. That's literally the only way they would have any type of actual conversation with each other. So this was only a win. It was either you got him and it's like, wow, that's a great way to start off your recruiting trail. Or it's, all right, well, yeah, that's to be expected. Like the moment, like I wrote an article saying that Zach Harris, whoever the coach was at Ohio State, wasn't going to affect Zach Harrison's decision. And then the comments all below it is that's because he's going to Michigan because Urban Meyer is not staying here. So yeah, I think that that was only a, that was only going to help him. That was not going to hinder him in any way getting Zach Harrison. It's a great boost because now it's got, he's got him. He's got Paris Johnson, another Ohio guy who was a five star recruit for twenty twenty. It's a great way to start things, but it wouldn't have hurt him if we didn't get Zach Harrison. I will say I think I don't think Ryan Day got Zach Harrison. No. I think Larry Johnson got yeah. Zach Harrison. I think about 90% of that is Larry Johnson. And we are talking about a guy who is in his 60s, who has been one of the best assistant coaches in college football for three decades, who has coached so many NFL guys you lose track of them. And Larry Johnson is a huge selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's this is a Larry Johnson win, and I don't know. I, I know a lot of people. Of course, you're the head coach, but like, there were people nationally saying like, "Oh, Ryan Day, this is a bit." I just like you. I, I don't think this was really about Ryan Day. Now I think the quarterbacks he decides to go after, the skill position guys they decide mm-hmm. to go after, recruiting strategy down the line. Listen, when you have coaching transition, you're going to lose some guys. Jordan Battle flipped. Okay, Dwan Mathis flipped, and I want to touch on this briefly. I don't think they're that upset about that. Dwan Mathis, they they were in on a lot of different 2019 quarterbacks. It wasn't like Dwan Mathis was their guy from the get go. They were. It, it was not a great recruiting cycle for 2019 and quarterbacks in Ohio State. They were all over the place. They had about five or six different guys they were after. In the end, they ended up getting Mathis as a flip for Michigan State. But I think they're okay that he wound up in Georgia. And I think part of it's because they think they're getting Justin Fields. So Ryan Day needs to figure out their quarterback recruiting because they also, in 2018, lost Emory Jones at the end and signed Matthew Baldwin. You need to have a better plan. Jack Miller is their 2020 quarterback commit. He's committed now. He's, been, he's going to be committed for like three years before he signs here. Mm-hmm. That's a guy that's a top 100 guy. They went to Arizona, targeted him, got him. That's who they want. If they keep him and lock him in, that's good quarterback recruiting. I just don't think Zach Harrison is about Ryan Day very much, and I think your point is right. Listen, it's a coaching change. If you didn't get him, it's completely understandable. Yeah. But since you did get him, it's really good. Mm-hmm. But I also don't think it, that that is the proof of Ryan Day as a recruiter. No. I think there are a million other things that are going to be much more, are going to tell us much more about Ryan Day. And I think the way he puts together this 2020 class is going to be much more telling. Maybe a couple guys they try to add in February with this time as they target some guys. Just If Justin Fields comes here, a lot of that is about Ryan Day. Yeah. A defensive end from down the road picking Ohio State to come play for a guy who has produced the Bosa brothers and Chase Young and Sam Hubbard and Twyquan Lewis and connects with players as well as any assistant coach I've ever seen. 
He connects with these kids. Plus, he teaches them get great technique and gets them to the NFL. Make no mistake, Zach Harrison is a win for Larry Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I think fans understand this. But you need to understand how crucial Larry Johnson is to what Ohio State does. I don't know how much longer he's going to do this, but they are going to miss him when he's done because that guy is special. Another Russian bot, another Russian too. There's been some talk about who should be the new quarterback coach. Wouldn't Kenny Guyton be a fun hire? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't be completely against it. I'm in. For a lot of different reasons, to be honest with you. Kenny Guyton is the... He's at Houston right now. Receivers coach at Houston. Um, He is a guy that he followed Tom Herman to Houston. Mm -hmm. He went then with Tom Houston to Texas briefly because he was still like a GA, and then he got a full-time job at at Houston. He's coaching the receivers. Clearly he was a quarterback. Um, I'm in on this staff getting a little younger. Like I was – the Brian Hartline hire, I sort of said, you know, I don't know. Are you sure? Did you do a national search for the best receivers coach in America? I'm not, like, against the Brian Hartline hire. I just think Ohio State needs to get away from, like, hiring the easy guy. And you can't only hire your friends. And you can't only hire guys that you know. You have to go get the best guys around. Mm-hmm. But I am enthused by the idea of, like, a young guy. I'm enthused by Marcus Freeman getting here as a young guy. I'd be enthused by Kenny Guyton as a young guy. I just you think Alex Grinch is a younger guy. I'm also totally in on Larry Johnson and Tony Alford and guys who are older, right? It's, it's, it's not necessarily about age, but it's about having a mix to your staff. And you wouldn't want a staff of 10 30-year-old guys, and you wouldn't want a staff of 10 60-year-old guys. I think it also depends on what you have at that position. Your defensive ends are getting to the NFL in their top 10 picks. So you stick with the guy who's getting them to the NFL as top 10 picks. Tony Offit has proven himself that he's been able to get recruits at the running back position. You got you got a lot of a you got a younger wide receiver staff this year, so why not get a guy who's also not only played here, but played in the NFL, and now he just had a year where he had four receivers throw for a thousand yards. Now some of that was him, and some of that was the fact that they were just older guys, like so they there was some things he didn't have to deal with as far as like immaturity and all that other stuff that comes with being a freshman and a sophomore playing at Ohio State University. So. I think it just depends on the position, whether or not it should be an older guy or a younger guy. Here's the thing. When you're head coach, when you are a head coach, you can take a risk at the position that you coach. Yeah, because you can always step in. Urban Meyer, the youngest guy he hired, Urban Meyer is a receivers coach by trade. He hired Zach Smith Mm -hmm. when Zach Smith was in his 20s on this first Ohio State staff in 2012. Mm Mm-hmm. That's because Urban Meyer knew, you know what, if, like, I need to double-check that we're teaching the right technique and everything else. He's not going to fight back. I can do that. Now, Urban Meyer, when you're a head coach, you know everything. But Ryan Day sure as hell knows a lot more about quarterbacks than he knows about linebackers. Mm -hmm. So if Ryan Day – Ryan Day doesn't need the most experienced – Ryan Day doesn't need the best quarterbacks coach in America. He could take a risk on a guy – who's going to bring something a little different, who's maybe a little bit younger, who's maybe from a different part of the country to have Kenny Guyton, who's from Houston. That'd be nice to have a Texas recruiting connection, right? Mm -hmm. Kenny Guyton would check a lot of boxes. And whoever asked this question, I would just like to say uh, another Russian bot, 100% Kenny Guyton should be the quarterback's coach. I'm for it. I hadn't like a hundred, I hadn't a hundred percent thought of that, No, but like you're a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No one is against that. 
And Ryan they should put Day, you on the staff just for that reason. Ryan Day can help make Kenny Guyton an even better quarterbacks coach. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, in Urban Meyer, Ryan Day wasn't here with Kenny Guyton. He doesn't know firsthand. Right. But Tom Herman knows. Urban Meyer knows. They love Kenny Guyton. And I think Kenny Guyton, a lot of this is you've got to be able to recruit, and I'm sure Kenny Guyton could recruit. Yeah. And you just want guys on your staff that, that enhance the spirit of your program. And I think absolutely – Kenny Guyton would do that. I'm going to call Kenny Guyton tomorrow and ask him when he starts at Ohio State. You're going to offer him the job? Yeah, I'll offer on behalf of Ryan Day. Day, I offer you the job as quarterback's coach. All right, we're going to be done soon. Rich Bruns at Gonzo Grober. Would Ohio State really be interested in Jalen Hurts if they don't get Justin V? (coughs) (coughs) Dying, I died for 10 seconds. If they don't get (coughs) Justin Fields. Okay, while you're dying over here, I'm going to answer this question. <coughs> Only he, if he, he can... also said Merry Christmas. Oh, first of all, thank you oh. for Merry Christmas to you as well. I'll say this. Jalen Hurts is only allowed to come here if he's only willing to play. If they get into the college football playoff, he can only play in those two games. <coughs> and they have to play Alabama in the national championship game or they have to pull him. Are you more interested? They need a quarterback. We know that. Yeah. Ryan Day said they want four on the roster all the time. Yeah. Right now they have Tate. Assuming Haskins is gone, they have Tate Martell, Matthew Baldwin, and Chuggy Chugginoff. The West Virginia transfer, but they didn't get. They don't have a quarterback in 2019. Right. They are going to add a quarterback. Yeah. Would you? And, and, and okay, there's not a ton of guys, high school seniors, who are still out there at quarterback. Yeah. But they could find somebody, right? Mm-hmm. There's a Louisiana kid. I think they could find somebody. Would you rather have a high school senior, a freshman next year, or would you rather get a graduate transfer? Not not a graduate transfer, but a transfer. Someone who's played. Would you rather get Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields or somebody in that vein? Let's mm. say, and let's take Justin Fields. I think everybody yeah. wants Justin Fields yeah. first. Let's, if I you think miss on Justin the, Fields. Yeah, putting the name in there like kind of changes some things. Like, he's going to start. Like, just in general for this. You're saying in, just in general the state of like having four quarterbacks regardless of who Fitting the starter Fitting it to the is, roster. I would rather take – if I'm Ryan, in Ryan Day's situation, I'd rather take the graduate. Let me take the transfer in general. Not necessarily have to be a graduate, but the transfer in general because <coughs> Jack Miller's your quarterback for in 2020. You don't have a quarterback for this year. If I'm, yeah, for 2020, you don't have a quarterback for this year. So the way this is, is set up, two years from now, Jack Miller's probably going to be the starting quarterback if, like, things go the way that they think Maybe not as a true freshman. Maybe not as a true freshman. But But he's going to play. In the next two to three years, Jack Miller is going to be under center for you. At at worst, he'll probably redshirt his freshman year, and then his redshirt freshman year, he'll be on the field. Or he'll he'll be in competition for the starting position. I would rather take that than a guy who, like we talked about this earlier. We talked about, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast. No, we talked about this just sitting around. You're not going (laughs) to find a guy where... Where he's yo, listen, you're gonna come here and you're gonna be the backup. You're not gonna find another Kenny Guyton. That's very rare to find where you can recruit a guy here to be a backup quarterback. So I'd rather have a guy where he transfers here. Um, maybe he wins the job, maybe he doesn't win the job, but he's only here for a year, so it really doesn't matter. You don't have there's no long term commitment there. With a recruit, there's a long term commitment of at least three years that he's gonna be here with some expectation at some point he's going to be on the field. With a transfer, that may not be the case. Jaron Williams is a Miami kid who reportedly there's a report he's gonna transfer. He was a freshman at Miami this year. Mm-hmm. He was the number seventy seven overall player uh, in last year's class. Uh, part of the point is and why we're we needed to take Justin Fields' name out of the yeah. equation. It's because 
you're, there's gonna there's gonna be other options. And yeah. again, what we're talking about with this era where quarterbacks, if they don't win the job, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio State's gonna have a shot at some of these guys. I'm not like a huge transfer guy. I'd rather get a guy here and have him be your guy the whole time. Um, they've had some success with a couple transfers here and there. It's not like they've ever hung their hat on transfers. Yeah. Malcolm Frid- Pridgen was a junior college transfer. Kendall Sheffield went to Alabama and then went to junior college and then transferred. Um, yeah, but those aren't the same type of tra- – like there's like – that's no. more of like for academic purpose. They just couldn't be here yet. For no, like- well, Kendall Sheffield didn't play enough at Alabama, so he left. Yeah. Um, I'm just like I'm not – they haven't had, you know, who's that? Corey Smith was a receiver, was a transfer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. I don't think Ohio State wants to be in the business of relying on transfers. No, but if for they, a special circumstance here and there, like this, where it's like you only need the guy for one year, and <coughs> I think Justin Fields would be great, obviously. But like to get a guy like that, where it's like, all right, you can compete now. You've got three guys competing for the job, and if he wins it, he wins it. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. He's gonna leave anyway. And there's no like real like with Justin Fields. He's got to play right away. With a lot of these other options, they don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to just give them the job. They can compete along with the other two options. I want to talk quickly about our friends at MinutemanTickets.com. MinutemanTickets.com, they are a local ticket broker with a national selection. They back up their product. You can go to them. Again, and I said this, I went nuts in the last podcast. I truly believe this. I love the idea of presents that are experiences. They don't clutter up your house. Go get tickets for your loved one for the holidays. Go to MinutemanTickets.com. Go to a concert. Go to a show. Go to the theater. Go to a sporting event. Get them Cavs tickets. Get them um, Ohio State tickets for next year. I don't know what. Find something. Go to a Blue Jackets game. Get tickets for the holidays. I guarantee the people in your life will love those tickets. And if you go to MinutemanTickets.com to get them, you know that you are given a gift that a company stands behind. This is a Columbus company with local people who contribute to the community who started this business who believe in it you can believe in them think about tickets for christmas go to minutemantickets.com another russian bot another russian to ask another good question will michael jordan be back next year and if so will he play guard ryan day said today he hopes he's back Mm -hmm. he didn't say the words like i hope dwayne haskins is back Right? right So he was sort of dancing around everything. They have a bowl game to play. I think Michael Jordan's back. What do you think? I think he's back. There's like, yeah. I think he can have a better year. Yeah. And Michael Jordan, when he talked about coming to Ohio State, he's a Detroit kid who had also grown up in Ohio. Again, you discover this in recruiting. A lot of these guys have Ohio roots one way or the other. They either were born here or they have family here. And then they go, oh, you think you got a national recruit? It's like, yeah. Garrett Wilson's from Dublin, man. Yeah. So it's like, how did they get a five-star receiver from Texas? You know, like Demetrius Knox. They really didn't. <laughs> it was like a big-time – it happens all the time. And mm-hmm. Mark Pantone is great at finding those connections. Um, Michael Jordan grew up wanting to be a Buckeye, even though he's he, he went to high school in the suburbs of Detroit. I don't think Michael Jordan is ready to be done. And I don't think Michael Jordan had the year. He made first-team All-American, which I was very surprised by. He's getting a tree in Buckeye Grove. I don't think he played to that level. I think he would admit that he didn't play to that level. I think he played to the level previously. I think he's been a nearly All-American quality guard. I just don't think he was an All-American quality center. The line did play better later in the year. I think he can have a better year. I think he's a guard in the pros and not a center. Mm -hmm. 
I think Billy Price and Pat Elfline were helped for the NFL by moving to center. I think Michael Jordan would be helped by moving back to guard. I think they're going to have Josh Myers ready to play center next year. And if I had to guess, I think the starting guards next year for Ohio State are Michael Jordan and Wyatt Davis. I agree with that. I think Michael Jordan's probably more comparison to Draymond Jones, where it's like, all right, you can go this year, but like, you, or, you can, or you can come back and then you can be a first round draft pick. And Draymond, Draymond didn't have the year no. in 2017 that he wanted to have. And this year he did. And now he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. And, and, that's, and there's something to it. Even You want, it, you want your draft, draft status to be at its peak mm-hmm. when you go pro. But I think there's something in these guys also. When you have options of saying, like, do I want to go out that way? Did I play my best? You want to play your best football your last right. year. And if you feel like you didn't, and maybe Draymond had a weird injury in the middle of the year, Michael mm. Jordan changed positions, and you think – Maybe I wasn't my absolute best this year, but I can see why I'll be better next year. Because maybe I'll move back to my natural position. I'll be good to go. I think he comes back, and I think he's great. I think he will be great and be a leader on that line next year. I think I really like Michael Jordan. He's a really good guy who's really serious about his job, and I think he could be incredible next year. He's got a great name, too. He does. Um, Okay. What was the one thing there was a – I'm going to ask maybe one more. The robots, again, are not real. Zach Kaminsky. <laughs> and we'll end with this because we're getting kicked out of Panera. We never even bought a bagel. Zach Kaminsky on email. We'll get to more email questions, and I'm going to tell you what the plan is for next week real quick. I see a lot of people on various articles, message boards, et cetera, reviewing this season. Some believe a 12-1 season and a conference title is something almost every program would love, but we're Ohio State, not most other programs. If we win versus Washington, is this a successful year? With all the talent we have and the quality of coaches, isn't it, isn't it our right as fans to be disappointed with not making the playoff? We have one playoff victory in five years. If they win the Rose Bowl, let's assume they're going to win the Rose Bowl again because Washington stinks. And yeah. please send that quote to somebody with the Washington football program so they can have some bulletin board material. I don't know any players on their team. They're going to lose to Ohio State by 30. Ohio State's going to be 13-1 and with the Big Ten Championship. A Michigan win and a Rose Bowl win is that success? Or is there room to be disappointed about not making the playoffs? I mean, you can always be disappointed about the fact that you're not getting the opportunity to compete for a national championship but you weren't going to win a national championship let's just be honest here so like I think from a standpoint of you get to win your last game of the season and send well, from a sentimental standpoint you win the last game of your, of your season you send out a legendary coach on top in a ball game he's always dreamed of playing in since he was a kid it's the first time he's coaching in it and the last time he's coaching in it from that situation yeah it's a pretty successful season now of course when you have a fan base and a program that has this national championship or bust mentality which isn't a bad mentality to have i mean yeah there's always more to gain but like you weren't going to win a national championship this team they say they got in and they were the four seed. They weren't going to beat Alabama. So here's what you, you can do this. You can look at it like this. You can look at it as you didn't get it. You didn't get in where if you got would have got in, you probably would have got your butt whipped. Or you can go to the Rose Bowl, which is a legendary bowl game, and play in the L.A. and win one more time for Urban Meyer. So he can either get his butt smacked by Nick Saban one last time or he can go out on top in his favorite bowl game. You think about like where this program was when people were thinking they were going to lose after the Maryland game. Yeah. I mean, if they had lost to Michigan, and I was on, I was on, on Sirius XM or something the other day, and they were asking how how much like do they need to win the Rose Bowl? It's kind of this kind of question. Mm. I think a lot of this season's already been written. Like I can't imagine they're going to lose the Rose Bowl, but yeah. to me, 
the fact that they beat Michigan in the year when Michigan was favored and Urban Meyer went out 7-0 and against Michigan and they did it in a way where they thumped them and they threw the ball all over them and Dwayne Haskins went nuts mm-hmm. and it pushed Dwayne Haskins to a Heisman finalist, all mm-hmm. those things. Really, truly, I think the story of this season has basically already been written and it was written by beating Michigan and winning the Big Ten Championship. Right. Of course, 13-1 and in the Rose Bowl. I mean, if you lose the Rose, because I think if they lose the Rose Bowl, people would chalk it up as like, well, Urban retired, it distracted him, it was yeah. a fluke, they were better than Washington, but whatever. I think you have to view this as a success. Otherwise, you're living in a world where only the playoff is success. And then you turn into Nick Saban. And that's very hard. And I think the thing we've established is they're not Alabama. They're in the pack below Alabama, but if you thought they were going to be the main challenger to Alabama or on Alabama's level after 2014, they're not. And I don't think you can live in a world where not competing with the greatest college football coach of all time, if, if, if you're not on his level, that like somehow you're failing, that's a, that's a rough world to live in. Mm-hmm. So I think the overall answer is this has to be viewed as a success, particularly once Nick Bosa got hurt. Yeah. Think about any team in America that loses its best player and arguably the best player in the country. I thought this team still could make the playoff without him. They had a terrible game that kept him out of it, but they went. They only lost one game without him. They had an amazing year from Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins and the receivers carried this team in a lot of ways. It was a reasonable recruiting dip where they were short at some positions. We talked about windows. I think they don't have windows anymore, but I also think this was... I thought maybe this was going to be a peak season for them, but the sophomores didn't do as much as I thought. Mm-hmm. The 2017 class that was so highly rated, those second-year guys did not were not difference makers on the level I thought they might be. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think they didn't take that next step. But there's still time for them to do that. Mm-hmm. There's still time for that 2017 class next year. So I, my advice would be to view this as success mm-hmm. because it's just kind of it's kind of miserable if you don't. I want to quickly get to our reviews. They're literally shutting Panera. Panera closed at 9. It's 9.24, and we'll start talking. Oh, wow. We have eight reviews since last week, seven five-stars and a two-star. And as our friend A. Lark OSU wrote, his review is called How to Cancel a One-Star Review. Doug, the answer is 15 five-star reviews. This means your friend-to-hater ratio needs to be at or above 15 to 1. Love listening to this podcast. Keep up the great work. Canceling a one star. And he does all the math here. It's it's just 15 to 1. We have to get 15 of you to love us to cancel out one person who hates us. Mm-hmm. So we are still hovering at four and a half stars because while great Buckeye podcast, WJMZ78Buck said, have been a listener for years. Doug's rants are great as always and Stephen has fit right in. Because Josh Sal says, love the show, guys. One of the best and most entertaining podcasts out there for Ohio State-related content, and you guys deserve to be recognized for that. Keep up the good work. Jim Cron says, I love the podcast. Very insightful and impartial. Doug is awesome. Love that he's my age and remembers the older <laughs> games. Steven is great, too. Keep up the great work and keep the podcast rolling. Cuckoo71 says, Seth Rogen and Uncle Tim may have left, but Angry Dad continues to prove that inane robot talk, suspiciously bad taste in chain restaurants, and copious intake of diet soda are the fuel that results in some of the best sports writing in America. Calamari2 says, great podcast. They cover the team and with great knowledge, but have enough distance from it personally that they aren't homers. A lot of change this year, but the information is still really good. All these great reviews. And then Reggie for short. Then Reggie for short says what? 
Well, the show deteriorated once Bill Landis left. People really love Bill Landis. Doug is even He's more, lovable. Also, it's his birthday today. Happy true, birthday, Landis. He's yeah. 30. Happy birthday to you, dude. Doug is even more self-centered now that now than than he than he was in the new guy Steven is just plain bad. Not like just like amazingly bad, just plain, plain bad. bad. Yeah. He makes me long for the days of Tim Bielik. Oh well, there's other book iPods out there. Yes, but they're not like us. But I but I will say thank you to Reggie for giving us two yeah. instead of one. We'll take that extra star because now we need like another fifteen five stars like the one from Wait Why What Do You Mimi? Meme. This, Oh, what do you meme? Oh, meme I get it. He Wait, what meme. do you meme? I get it. Yeah. There was on uh, on Everybody Loves Raymond as a show that old people I watch. I know, man. I'm not that young. One time, uh, his wife was making fun of him because he read the word stomachache as stomachacha. And I always remember that. Because like, sometimes you see a thing and your brain works the wrong way. I thought that said meme and it says meme. I've seen one of those episodes and it was the episode where the brother would like touch his chin before he ate food. Oh, yeah. He's a sports writer on the show. He's a sports writer. Yeah. Very mono. So one time when I lived in Delaware before I moved here, like Ray Romano came and did a show and they had a Q&A after the show. And I went up and asked a question. I said, like, Mr. Romano, I'm a sports writer. Why did you choose your character to be a sports writer on the show? And he was like, I don't know. We just kind of wanted a, a, a job where you're kind of home all the time. And I was like, <laughs> oh, oh do you know, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Ray Romano. Um, Wait, what do you mean? Says this coupling, coupling of a grumpy, sickly old man and a vivacious, insightful millennial touches on all things Buckeyes and answers any burning questions you may have about the inner workings of Ohio State athletics. Oh my God, that's perfect. That sounds like a sitcom. I'm gonna be honest with you. That needs to be in the bio. Yeah, a grumpy, sickly old man and a vivacious, insightful millennial. Vivacious, insightful, that's sickly. Amazing. Um, all right. So listen, thanks to you guys for the reviews. You can drop them on iTunes. The fight continues. We have 696 total ratings. The fight continues to get us back to a five star. So we need like 40 more uh, because I'm sure someone will find something wrong with yeah. this Panera podcast. Like you coughing. Here's the plan. Next week. I'm going to do daily podcasts from the Rose Bowl. So Christmas is next Tuesday. We have availability with Urban Meyer and a couple players in Disneyland on the 26th. My plan will be to record a podcast on the 26th. Try to get it up the night of the 26th, that Wednesday. So you get your regular Wednesday podcast. If not, it'll be up the morning of the 27th. And then my plan will be to, to do about a half an hour podcast every day. 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. The game is on the first. We'll do one after the first. Steven's going to be here covering the basketball team. Yay. We are going to start with the basketball podcast. As soon as football is done, Yay. I'm going to show Steven how to like process the podcast and do all the fun stuff. Put, the, put, the, put the song in. Um, all the wonderful things that go into this. So that is awesome. the plan for next week. We will, instead of having a two-hour podcast next Wednesday, we hopefully will have the start of what are going to be daily half-hour podcast from California. So that's the deal. This was signing day. If you have any more signing day questions, you can certainly send them along. There's a lot of stuff going on with the Rose Bowl and the future of this team. Keep reading Cleveland.com this week. We're going to be having a lot more about this class, about the future of this program, where the staff is headed, where Ryan Day is headed, Urban Meyer's farewell. A lot more coming. We're doing a feature we call it Ohio State 20 Questions. We answer a question about the program every day. Look for that. Um, we have videos up there. So this is a busy time. We hope you guys have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. So for now, from Panera, 
with a thank you to ShopOhioState.com and Minuteman Tickets for Stephen Means, and also a thank you to Tate Martell and the person he was with who had to stand there while we assaulted <laughs> Tate Martell after he ate his muffin slash cookie slash bagel. I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs> <laughs>